All right, we ready to do this? How was your bath? It was amazing. I'm so jealous. What kind of wine did you have? I didn't have wine. <laughs> you were tired I enough. Just, yeah, it was like it was late, so I was like, yeah, it's too late for wine. I don't want all that sugar, so I just I just had ice water. You got out at one in the morning. Is that what you yeah. said? Damn. Yeah, I got in there at probably like around eleven, eleven thirty. Goddamn. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. I don't know. I'm part vampire, owl, bat, all the nocturnal animals combined. <laughs> this is going to be, this is a beast of an episode. This is a beast of an episode. We have no experience. We have no business. In. We have no business talking about any of this. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I guess we'll put that out there as the dis- blanket disclaimer. We are educating ourselves. For right. People who will never go through this experience. I'm going to say for like, parents like catholic parents who were always i think this was a meme somewhere i saw that catholic parents always telling their kids like you better not get pregnant like telling their millennial kids and now none of them want kids like dude you did it to yourself like you i have that say, trauma. i have to say that trauma is real 100 mm-hmm. my mother used to always like say that shit to me i was so scared as a teenager of like getting absolutely pregnant. so scared now look at you child free such a whore no <laughs> <laughs> no um yeah child free and yeah that's a lot of our generation i feel like because that was so instilled in us like don't get pregnant don't get pregnant you better and not now, get pregnant and now my mom's begging me for a grandchild and i'm like nah bro i'm good you can't change your mind exactly <laughs> you can't change your mind now <sighs> oh, it's so true though it's crazy i yeah was curious for a little while because when we first started recording and I thought we were kind of kind of the same age and then you were like no I'm closer to 40 I was like are you did do you have kids <laughs> like are you oh. having kids and it's like not my place to ask but I was just yeah. curious but now now I know we're on this in the same boat yeah I mean we, we're pretty much the same person we've established right we've yeah both, well you were a nanny for a really long time yeah. actually last summer you had a little nanny stint again right yeah I, and they're coming back out this this spring April to May so okay Oh, (laughs) (laughs) all right. Um, Don't get sick again, Christina. Yeah, we're pretty, I feel like me and you are pretty much on the same page as far as this goes because of our experiences nannying and I'm, I'm still a nanny Mm -hmm. and I love the kids as though they were my own. We've, you know, had many of arguments just like they're my own kids. Like, and sometimes I have to play the role of the mom. If mom and dad aren't there, I have to step into that role Mm -hmm. and I have to, I have to discipline. And it's not always fun because like sometimes they're like, they look at me as Justina, the cool nanny or like babysitter or whatever. Like, you know how Molly feels about me and I love her to death, but sometimes I have to be like, no, you're still a child. I'm an adult. Mm -hmm. And then it's, I hate you. You're not worse. You're not my mom. Exactly. (sighs) Um, So it goes back and forth for me. Like I, I love those kids to death, but do I want my own? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. At the end of the day, I'd rather just come home to my cats and my husband and and a hot bath. Nice quiet. <laughs> um, 
everybody says oh it's different when they're your own yeah but i'm not gonna fucking science experiment the hypothesis out of that you know i'm not gonna like test it out right to make sure Uh, because that's that that's a pretty uh like that's a lifetime commitment like you can't back out of that one (laughs) i know my limitations me too yeah dude (laughs) this fucking i love that cup i love that cup but I just hate that it's so small. <laughs> it's very small. I we oh could go to a color me mind together for our first yeah. date and make our own witch mugs. Oh, oh! <laughs> I used to do this with Molly all the time. I I used to work at one, and then I got fired. You got fired? <laughs> wait, wait, because it's like a ceramic place. Oh, <laughs> honey girl. Yeah, we all have those moments when we're you know young and stupid. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and we were um on the uh on the cusp of of the internet kind of really popping off so we you know it was kind of up to our generation to learn the hard way Uh uh-huh right i I remember we had computer class and our school was like poor 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 catholic school so like going to computer class was cool and we didn't have the internet growing up so i my mind was a blown but b i thought i could write a fan mail directly to hugh jackman (laughs) wait why what would lead you to believe this? Because, well, I thought the the address listed when I looked up like Hugh Jackman mailing address <laughs> was the X-Men Hugh Jackman that I was so in love with at the time that I wrote oh to God. him. I emailed him and I gave him all my information. You gave like, him your social security number. No, not the social, but like the, my <laughs> phone number, my address. And I got in big trouble and I bawled. I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And you were like, just call me after peak hours so then I don't have to pay for the minutes. <laughs> yeah. That's what, how you pay for the phone back in the day. Call after nine. Yeah. Oh, I had one of those, um, not the walkie talkie ones at one point. Do you remember those? Yeah, I think so. Somebody else had to have that same brand. And you could just bloop, bloop, and then you could <laughs> talkie them, and it didn't cost anything. I feel like that's kind of like what Marco is now. Mm-hmm. Like the Marco Polo app. It's like just like a video. Bloop, bloop. <laughs> bloop, bloop. So anyway, I'm Christina. I'm Justina. <laughs> Welcome to Magnolia Street. Your source for all practical magic goodness. Yeah. We are a fandom podcast for those of you just joining us. Welcome to episode 16. You picked a weird one to start with. Wait, wait. Who picked this one? No, not you. The listeners, if they're just coming in episodes, oh. picked a weird one to start with. Wait, is this a patron pick or is this your pick? Or- this was my pick. This was your pick? Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Wow, Christina. I'm surprised yeah. you picked this one. We got to get it out of the way. This is going to be our one and only, like I said, like pregnancy related topic, I think. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that both neither one of us has had children or plan to have children. This episode might be a little cringe to listen to because we have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> we have no business talking about any of this. <laughs> but stick around because we're going to educate you. We're going to yeah. educate you about where the placenta comes up in practical magic, if at all. And why do we think that was included? Yeah, so so we, we do have a patron. So we want to give a big war Magnolia Street welcome to Wendy G, our new little lavender bud. Wendy J! Patreon, hype, 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 hype. Bow, bow, bow. Bow, bow, bow. I wish we could have like a little like lavender song for her. Uh, I should write one. Just a little blip. That would I'm gonna be- write, I'm going to write one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy to play Oh, we should make a little song for each tier. Yeah, absolutely. That would be really adorable. That would be cute. 
That would be so cute. Okay, that's good awesome. idea, Christina. Yeah, I love it. All right, so yeah, so welcome, Wendy G, our lavender little, our little lavender bud. Maybe uh, we'll have a song ready for you in the next episode. Oh, okay, <laughs> I don't know. We'll we'll add them to the Patreon if if we end up writing something. Anyway, so we some, before we get into our topic of the day, there were some um like fan mentions on Instagram that I just want to point out, and then one of our listeners had a really cool theory i think we were talking about how it would be impossible for jillian to drive overnight to see sally oh yeah yeah i did read this Uh so let me hit that one first um and then i'm gonna get to like the people gushing about us because that's always fun so one of our listeners uh megan says hi ladies loving the podcast so far i'm only up to the second part of the book comparison but it's been so nice to listen thus far theory i always thought the scene in the movie where jilly visits sally in the night was actually a telepathy slash astral visit (gasps) this is why jilly closes her eyes when mixing the belladonna and she sees herself in the car traveling to see sally why sally wakes Jilly almost looks like she's floating, then is gone when she wakes in the morning with only an imprint in the pillow. Oh my god! I'm like, oh goosebumps! Chills. Hello, goosebumps! Chills. I love that theory. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It does make perfect sense because Be- I mean, we we know they have they share that gift of telepathy because in the car when she kind of like Jilly comes out of body and kind of like speaks into the rearview mirror to Sally to get the belladonna in her bag, blah blah blah. Um, so we know that they share a telepathic bond. So that's very possible that yeah. that's kind of like how that happens. Because we all know you can't drive from Arizona to the um, Massachusetts, New England, Massachusetts yeah. in one night. Not possible. And the other thing is like when Sally gets Jillian the second time, they never talk about her visiting like at all. I don't know. It's a movie, but I would be like yeah. between when you left and now like what the fuck happened (laughs) how did he bashing you in the face like this yeah she never ends up they never end up rehashing that visit and also how how much later is that whole blood on the moon scene from the visit like when she comes to visit um sally after michael dies we gotta start like moon spotting in every Uh scene to see like okay if this was this and then it was a full moon when she picked her up all right all right we're gonna have to do an entire episode of moon spotting (laughs) follow the moon through the entire movie i love that idea let's do it done deal awesome so megan that is such a cool theory i'm on board for that because like before that you would see both of them touch their palm and that could be like i don't know like their signal like we talk about talked about when jillian closes her eyes to put the belladonna in the thing she's she's driving through the desert time is an illusion time is just going by maybe that's her astral projection technique Uh uh-huh to travel where you know to travel that would be so fucking cool any oh. actual projection technique that incorporates Joni mitchell sign me up uh, sign me up <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes ma'am. exactly so um, i have a couple little comments that we got that were super sweet we get we had got so many nice comments on our instagram um but some that stood out that were just a little longer we like a little novel here here and there yeah that just uh just pump us up yeah, so, stroke our egos, please. <laughs> an Instagrammer named Dog-Eared Life uh, actually tagged us on one of their beautiful photos. They were sitting with their kitty cat and oh, reading. Right. Um, and it's called, it says Lazy Sunday. They say, there is something special about starting a new book on Sunday morning. I finally cracked open, not literally, the spine is safe, 
<laughs> the Book of Magic by Alice Hoffman. And of course, my little familiar instantly settled in next to me. I've been putting off reading this one because the Practical Magic series has meant so much to me and I don't want it to end. I've been listening to Magnolia Street Podcast, so good, and don't want any spoilers. So I decided it's time. <laughs> so I love that we could inspire somebody to actually finish reading the books just so they could listen to our podcast. Exactly. I know. I feel bad because we do like, well, I mean, we lay it out. We lay it all out. We like, we, we say right off the bat, if you're going to listen to this podcast, you should be up on your uh, practical magic, I guess, just read all of them, yeah. read all of them, watch the movie because we do spoil quite a bit for you. Here. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I we, mean, we started this podcast so we could talk about everything, right? So, I know. How hard would it be if we had to just if do we the first up? Oh, I know. So yeah. So. Another comment was from Three Silver Moons. It says, at Magnolia Street Podcast, I am loving it so far. I'm about halfway through this episode. Not sure. I think it was oh, the she broom was, episode. Yeah, they were talking about the broom, the broomstick and lore episode. It says the podcast the podcasts are a little longer than I thought they would be, which is awesome for me. I usually have the DVD of Practical Magic playing in the background anytime I'm making jewelry or wine accessories, and I seriously needed something else. This seems perfect. Thank you for this. I feel like I have two friends chatting along while I work. Yeah. I love that. I love it so much. See, and I, um, I think I, I responded to her. I was like, yeah, we were getting a lot of feedback saying that you guys liked the longer episodes. So we're going to keep doing that. No, they are long, dude. They are long, but how many people have, have told us that they love the longer episodes? I'm really glad. And they're not catching up because they don't want it to end. They want to like, they want to wait till we, you don't know, accumulate more of a catalog so they could right. listen to more. Right. We got to give them what they want. <laughs> <laughs> and then our Moonlight Garden 13, I think they're one of our patrons, says, OMG, I just have to let you gals know, I love to do my nightly skincare magic while listening to the podcast. It's becoming a ritual of mine now, and I love it. Black heart emoji. So thanks I guys love for that. those nice words of comfort and support. We are so flattered that we can join you guys while you're jewelry making or doing your, your magical skincare or doing your lazy Sunday reading. Like, we're just glad that we can join you in those little acts of self-care. We love that. Awesome. Are we going to do All this? Right. Are we ready to dive into the placenta? This has a place in the practical magic world. It so does. going to talk about it. And I was like, this can't be a real thing. This is like, that was for the movie, right? No, this is for realsies, for realsies. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's do it. All right. So the term placenta shows up in the movie about an hour in when Officer Gary Hallett rolls into town. He's questioning the townspeople about the Owens women. So that one old biddy, she's like in a chair. Um, she, She's like, go arrest her. <laughs> do you remember that lady? Uh-huh. Their niece owns a shop where they cook a, up a special placenta. And that's why the ants don't age. I tell you, they just don't age. She's and Gary's like, placentas. <laughs> Gary, yeah. She's selling placentas. <laughs> and the old biddy goes, a placenta bar. <laughs> that was spot on. <laughs> um, mind you, the placenta does not show up in any of the books. Um, however, uh, there are tons of mentions of the black soap, even in the very first book, prior to the movie being made. So my question is, do you think that the whole placenta bar thing was written into the script as a nod to the black soap in the book? And do you think it was a means to be a bit more obscene and extreme and possibly added so there was more drama 
incorporated for Hollywood's sake. Because the woman, the old woman, she adds in that the placenta bar is the reason why the ants don't age. And in the books, we know that the laws of age are defied due to the black soap. Yes, I think there's a definite connection there. Because I think we yeah. touch on later, like there is a theory that it was a placenta, like edible bar, like a chocolate oh, bar or okay. some other kind of bar. And I, I had, excuse me, I had always thought that it was like a soap bar, which made more sense because she owns a bath and body shop. Right. You know? So absolutely. I think that was a, a great tie-in nod that they did. I have to say for like the longest time, probably up until like we wrote, um, what was it? Not Brandy's for breakfast. What? Phone tree day. Cause I, I have the line in there about the placenta bar. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay, I've never in in my like 20 plus something years of being a songwriter would have ever thought the word placenta would have popped up in one of my songs, but <laughs> the one and only the one and only and but it, it fits because it's just like, you know, you want to paint this picture and the story about the townspeople and all the sh- bullshit that there's that's basically what the song is about all the bullshit that they're spewing about the Owens family. Um, For the longest time, I thought the placenta bar, I thought they were talking about like a bar that you walk into and order like placenta stuff oh cute like a physical like a like a drinking bar a pub <laughs> like a pub a placenta pub that is so kim don't make that don't make that <laughs> don't a meme the placenta pub come on come all come get your placenta cocktails oh, gross i don't know Disgusting. it's so gross yeah it is cringe i don't know that's so funny right? um i'd never thought of it that way you said something else oh i was gonna ask do you think that she's just spinning yarn or do you think that like the owens probably would help women use their placenta for other reasons yes i absolutely think that they would use the placenta in in any of their magic and i there's a little bit we get to later on and i'll explain okay. kind of why i mean we could we could we could talk about it now if you want to and then i don't know where I'm it waiting. i don't i don't know where it makes more sense to talk about it if it it came up naturally here so would it make more sense to talk about it here okay let's do it Tell me. All right. What what was your question again? If you thought that the Owens woman would use placenta in their magic or help women use their placentas in ritual of some kind. 100%. And we get to this a little later on. We talk about placenta uses in bath and body products and shampoos and stuff like that. Um, It's a thing. Like it's actual, it's actually a thing, but it's not what we think. It's okay. not human. It's not human placenta. Oh, right? okay. Yeah. So there's a little bit of, of a twist there. Um, I could see how it could be misconstrued or misinterpreted. Do we think Sally was selling placenta shampoo in her shop? Like take the scene with Dwight, for example, when, when he comes into Sally's shop complaining that the product doesn't work for a scalp condition that he has. Mm-hmm. Placenta is known to be used in some beauty traditions and I guess beauty practices around the world. Okay. It could be used for hair, skin, nails, anything beauty related. I don't know if there were like scientific studies that that proves that it helps with this stuff or people just believe that it does. Um, We talk about this more in depth a little later on, but I'm thinking that since Dwight comes into Sally's shop for this product that doesn't work, I mean, that could be something that has placenta in it, maybe possibly. And then Gary, as he's leaving, he goes... I've never spent this much on shampoo before in my life. So do you think there's something more foreign in this shampoo that could possibly be the reason for the markup in price? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, celebrities use this shit like crazy. So it was the goob of their town, not goob, goop 
of their town. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. The one of the Paltrow shit. Um, so do you think there's some truth to the town's rumors? And do we think Sally is in fact using at least animal or plant placenta in her products? Because according to our research, the use of placenta in beauty products is actually a common thing. It's not human placenta, which is what our minds tend to go to when we hear the term placenta. It's just it seems to have this negative taboo or connotation that comes with that term because mm-hmm. of how we've known for it to be used. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could see the townsfolk on Maria's Island reading the ingredients off of one of Sally's bottles, even if it was referring to just like plant or animal placenta, and then them taking that and then running with it and spreading rumors just to be assholes, just mm-hmm. to like have something to drum up about the Owens women. I like, hear what you're saying. Even though it's not like maybe it's not human placenta, it's still the term placenta, and maybe they're just twisting it to they don't have all the facts exactly like and i don't think they care to know the facts they just want something to use against this family that they have something had something against for centuries um but that talk about what dwight comes in for but i'm going to refrain because we're gonna have a dwight episode we are gonna have a dwight episode but i have a theory (laughs) oh god oh god you want to talk about it now no 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 i'll remember all right okay let's talk about latin Oh, great, because we're we're so good at that. We're so good at it. As I said, like, as two people who identify as women, we also identify as women who never, ever want kids. However, I think we can agree that a woman's capacity to conceive and grow a person within herself and everything that comes after is one of the most incredible, insane, like, disgusting magical occurrences in a woman's life if she so chooses right so this is in the pursuit of knowledge and i think it's important for us and other people who do not want kids to know the traditions and rituals that come along with childbirth not just here's your baby but everything (laughs) else that is important for the baby's health that is within a woman's body right Right. because i I didn't know what a placenta was i knew watching the movie that it was something to do with childbirth but i didn't fuck if i know what it was yeah i i feel like childbirth was always this like horrifying miracle (laughs) yeah you had to watch that like 1970s the miracle of childbirth and health class yeah and i think i was just traumatized i don't know maybe it's just me i don't (laughs) i know like as a woman you're supposed to have this like maternal want or need to like bring life into the world but to do that like to physically do that and like the the toll that that takes on your body and the wear and tear that takes on your body it blows my mind that so many people so many women actually like willingly go through this process to bear children it blows my mind it's supposedly like the most selfless thing you can do because it's such a sacrifice on your right health physical health emotional health like marital health yeah so props to all the moms out there because what you put your body yeah prop yes the what you put your body through to bring life into the world is it's 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 a lot so can we put that as a tagline props to all the moms the the, episode 15 or 16 props to all the moms hashtag you go glen coco that's good (laughs) i just Uh, find a way to fit that in any every episode (laughs) but we're gonna tell you what where the word placenta is derived from it's a latin word surprise surprise (laughs) (laughs) um it's derived from the greeks placus p-l-a-k-o-u-s placoas also you could say placuntos or 
placoes, which also means flat. It's it's Latin for thin or layered flat breads. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about breads and 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 baking and cakes later on because the placenta does have a connection to birthday cake. That is so fucking weird, <laughs> isn't it? Freaking crazy. But anyway, the placenta of a mam- mammalian pregnancy, meaning any kind of pregnancy via a mammal, is so named from the perceived resemblance between its shape and that of a placenta cake, which again, we'll talk about later. A, pan, um, pla- a pancake. A pla- it's a pancake. Oh, I'm never going to eat pancakes the same way. Ew, what if somebody, you know how you can make like pancake art? Yeah. If you made one in like the shape of a placenta with the umbilical cord and everything. What if, ready for this theory? Yeah. What if Sally actually made pancake batter out of placenta and Gary is flipping p- placenta pancakes? God damn. We don't see one pregnant woman in that movie, by the way. Besides Maria. That's in the beginning. 300 right? years prior. 300 years ago. Yeah. Anyway, but Daddy. we'll talk about placenta cakes later on. So Christina, why don't you tell us about the rebirth of placenta rituals? a little bit about that. oh boy <laughs> strap so, in guys this is from two different sources so the first little bit is by olivia campbell and it's from sapiens.org and we also have the parents guide cordblood.org this is more the scientific facts like interesting facts about the good old placenta somebody keep a tally of how often we say placenta please <laughs> so it says the placenta is a magical organ it is a one pound frisbee-like mass of tissue that together with the umbilical cord breaks the sharing of resources between the mother and fetus, maintains the uterine environment, filters out toxins, and disposes of waste. It's the body's only temporary organ, conjured by the embryo and expelled when its job is complete. Blood vessels spread across its surface like the wide billowing branches of a tree. How pretty is that? Yeah. Disgusting. So <laughs> we don't have placentas until we are impregnated. Is that right? Um, yeah, I guess. It's, so it's just like something that kind of like springs out of nowhere when you have a, when you form a life in your womb. So you not only like create a life, you also create a new organ. Yeah, that's, okay. that's wild. Well, technically you create like a bunch of new organs in that baby. So well, that's Who's true. to say? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So shaped like a parachute, the placenta is a highly specialized organ that helps support the development of your bebe. The average placenta is nine inches across and about one inch thick and typically weighs just about a pound. Blood from both the mom and the baby pass through the placenta, but they never mix. At full term, about 20 ounces of the mom's blood pass through the placenta every minute. That alone is amazing, and it also explains why pregnancy is so exhausting. Uh, And here are some interesting scientific facts we discovered about the placenta. Your developing baby doesn't eat or breathe and relies solely on its mom for nutrients and oxygen. The placenta acts as the baby's lungs to supply oxygen and remove carbon dioxide. It also acts as the baby's kidneys to filter out waste products out of the bloodstream. Um, It says the placenta is not a, a maternal organ. Okay. In fact, the placenta develops from the fertilized egg, which means just like the baby, the placenta is genetically half of the mom and half of the dad. Whoa. The placenta begins to form right after the fertilized egg implants in the uterus wall around six to seven days after conception. And it continues to grow with your baby to supply 
its growing needs. The placenta is also a gland. The placenta acts as a gland that secretes hormones during pregnancy, which play an essential role in supporting your baby, your growing baby, and preparing your body for motherhood. The placenta as an immune mediator. So the placenta helps the immune system of mom and baby to talk to each other without having a fight. Oh. <laughs> Throughout pregnancy, the placenta works to prevent mom's body from recognizing the baby as a foreign, uh, probably as a foreign object and attacking it. Oh, wow. Um, during the third trimester, the placenta allows mom's antibodies to pass to the baby, giving the baby a starter immune system. And this protection lasts up to six months after birth. Wow. Wow. And, what, and also like breastfeeding during that time, doesn't that give baby antibodies continuing after? So. Um, You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> that's oh, so, that's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're both, both of us during this entire episode, we're going to be asking each other questions and we're just gonna be like, you're asking the wrong person. We should uh, phone a friend later yeah. down the line. So we talked- Can I get to a lifeline? Yeah. <laughs> We, um, I got to talk to my friend, Caitlin, who is an RN plus a, a bunch of other letters, which I'll tell you about, but I wish we could have like phoned her and be like, is this, her? I was texting her as I was looking stuff up. I was like, is this true? Is this uh -huh. factual? And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's real. Wow. <gasps> so this is real life y'all <laughs> welcome to health class 101 with Christina Hi. and Justina who know absolutely nothing about our own female body. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, um, identical twins may share a placenta. Uh, fraternal twins develop from two separate fertilized eggs and will always have two placentas, but the number of placenta between identical twins is determined by whether the fertilized egg splits before or after the formation of the placenta. You carry stem cells from your baby. Stem cells from your baby can cross the placenta and they seem to target sites where mom has an injury. Even years later, a tiny number of cells from previous pregnancies can be found in a mom's skin, organs, and bone marrow. This phenomenon is called fetomaternal micro... Mic Let me try it. You're close. Microchimerism? Yeah, you got it. That's it. <laughs> Microchimerism, pretty sure. Woo! Okay. So wait, are they saying that like, like say you're pregnant and you have a baby, a baby? you have one inside of you, um, and you have a cut, you your skin is just gonna like magically regenerate like a like a like a lizard or a chameleon or something do you think it heals faster maybe that's crazy you're like an x-man right like babies just give you superpowers extreme I no patience idea. i had no idea so it is the only disposable organ but is it though like i was gonna need, say is it though? you don't need your appendix right yeah <laughs> can you get rid of your gallbladder no you need, gall you need your gallbladder right Doesn't i was gonna say like... thyroid but you need that too that fucks with everything yeah yeah um but yeah your, your your appendix i don't think you need anymore yeah i don't think you need that <laughs> but it says a placenta will grow in every pregnancy to support the growth of the baby uh once its mission is complete the placenta is delivered after the birth of the baby which is why it is known as the afterbirth i like how it's just baby it's <laughs> not even this whole episode is going to be baby not baby. <laughs> no babies here. Just babies. Uh, a uh, couple more here. So the placenta <laughs> prepares your body to breastfeed. The placenta produces a hormone that suppresses the production of breast milk. Once the placenta is delivered, mom's body gets the signal that it's time to produce 
milk. And the placenta can help fight cancers. The placenta has a unique ability to grow and infiltrate mom's body without being attacked by mom's immune system. This ability to evade the immune system is highly regulated, and the placenta knows to stop infiltrating before causing harm to the mother. Researchers hope that a better understanding of how the placenta works will help us to fight cancers that evade the immune system. To learn more about cord blood banking, there is a website you can visit called Parents Guide to Cord Blood Foundation that will be linked in our show notes. And I'm guessing cord blood banking refers to, I guess, collecting the blood associated with That's the still umbilical inside the cord, cord or this like stem cell replacement or repair or something like that? Is that what that's referring to? Yeah. So all, you know how they clamp the baby's, baby's little belly button? Yeah. They clamp the belly button and the people who choose not to do what we're going to talk about later is called the lotus birth. Lotus. Yeah. I saw a little bit about um, that. The blood that's left over, I guess, in the umbilical cord is used to yeah. learn more about how to evade cancers in the immune system. Right, right, right. Whoa. That's what they use in stem cell repair, or I guess, because I know that they were using stem cell or, or they're doing stem cell research to help fight a lot of cancers. So okay. I'm wondering if, if the placenta is used in that whole study or if yeah. it's actually used in this process of trying to fight cancer in stem cell repair. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. You can answer us later. I am just speculating. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So here's an article from parentsguidecordblood.org. In 2010, medical anthropologist Daniel Benishek and Sharon Young, both at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, set about analyzing the traditions of 179 cultures for handling of the placenta. They found that among the 109 communities that define culturally appropriate placenta rituals, 169 disposal methods, including burial, incineration, which means to burn it, intentional placement in a specific location or hanging in a tree or structure can you imagine coming up on that on like yeah. your nature walk god damn horrifying <laughs> that's something out of a horror film like straight Ugh. up you know my mind thought of that but i didn't i didn't like i didn't go there but you went there <laughs> yuck um i'm glad i'm glad you did all right the placenta is commonly believed to be a child's living relative Several cultures refer to it as a mother, sibling, or grandmother. Mm. Across the Americas, the placenta is treated reverentially, wrote Patricia Gonzalez, an assistant professor of Mexican-American studies at the University of Arizona, in her book, Red Medicine, Traditional Indigenous Rites of Birthing and Healing. For many indigenous cultures, the placenta is a living being. Some other cultures believe in a sort of twinning of child and placenta. In ancient Egypt, the placenta was considered by many to be a child's secret helper. Oh, isn't it? That's like, um, I don't know. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> like elf on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> like, placenta in the, I don't know what rhymes with, with placenta. You know, the only word that rhymes with placenta, I think is magenta. Really? Does anything else rhyme with placenta? Here, I'm going to look it up. All right. Uh, some Icelandic and Balinese cultures see the placenta as a child's guardian angel. In many traditions, people believe that improper handling of the placenta will affect the fate of the mother and or child, or that the placenta's condition is an omen for the child's abilities or health. 
Rituals must therefore be performed exactly and can be quite involved, requiring that the placenta be washed in special liquid. I'm laughing at you right now. Wrapped in certain fabrics or plants, placed in a specific vessel, and buried or set in an appropriate location. All right, what do you got for us? Placenta in the hacienda. Hacienda. What does hacienda mean? Isn't it like a house? Is that what a hacienda is? Uh, A large estate or plantation with a dwelling house. Okay. All right. The the placenta hacienda. Um, (laughs) But of the many rituals investigated by anthropologists and social scientists, more broadly, one is notably absent from the list, the increasingly trendy practice among Western women of eating the placenta. And we'll talk all about this and Hollywood and all the celebrities that eat their own placenta. We'll talk about that a little later on. Um, Today, in fact, ingesting one's placenta remains a potential risk and or a potentially risky endeavor. Placentas are often colonized with bacteria. Many are infected. As a general general rule, it's best not to eat something that is potentially teeming with bacteria, many of which may be pathogenic, wrote Jen Gunter in OBGYN at the San Francisco Medical Center in an opinion article in the New York Times last year. I think I actually... I think I referenced this exact article like a little later on. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, because I talk about all the celebrities that eat the placenta. And then the article right after that, I put, do not eat your placenta. It might be like a, a risk. And I think it's it might be this person that this is talking about. Okay. Gunter, who has fielded requests by mothers who want to keep their placenta, noted that the organ can carry traces of arsenic, mercury, and lead. Wow. Where Where's that coming from, though? Does your body produce that stuff? You know what uh, I mean? Well, mercury from like fish and lead from just like isn't there like fucking traces of lead in water and shit yeah but if we're ingesting it anyway just in so, such low amounts it's not enough to kill them all right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway she also worries about how the reproductive hormones in placentas could affect new moms uh western medicine is only just beginning to recognize the mysterious power of the placenta for example scientists are realizing how the expression of different genes in the placenta is linked to a number of pregnancy complications including preeclampsia gestational diabetes miscarriage premature birth and low birth weight in addition since placentas are mostly made of the baby's cells packaged inside the mother's uterus they are helping scientists to understand how cancer cells can similarly avoid being attacked by the immune system oh that's that's interesting in new zealand the maori use the same word for placenta and land wenua W-H-E-N-U-A. I think we we talk about this a little bit later on too. Traditionally, Wanua were placed in hollowed out gourds, earthen pots, or woven baskets, and then buried in a place of significance to return them to the Earth Mother. Later, British colonists dubbed the practice primitive and unhygienic. They Mm. regarded it as superstitious. The Maori began to treat the placenta as their European conquerors did, as medical waste. In the early 1980s, a small group of activists sparked a resurgence in traditional placenta burial, and it is now once again a common practice. Interesting. I think, hypothetically, if I were to get pregnant, I would probably bury it. Yeah. I think... As a practicing pagan, which I would probably bury it. Uh huh. Because it's part of my body. I don't want that part. I, even when they like fix me up or took my wisdom teeth out, and I'm like, where, where are my teeth? And they're, I'm t- like, can I keep those? Medical, they're medical property after they take them. But they actually, they gave me mine. You, they you gave me yours? Yeah, I have my wisdom teeth. Ugh. I'm jealous. 
I'm going to make them into like, I don't know, fucking earrings or something. That would be the most expensive jewelry I would ever own. Dude, that shit costs like $5,000 to get those shits yanked from my face. And I only had three of them. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That could be a project for this year. (laughs) Just just making my my wisdom teeth into earrings. Disgusting. I think, what about you? What would you do? With the placenta? Mm -hmm. Um... I don't know, man. I'd probably just let them take it as medical waste. <laughs> okay. One less thing you have to do since you just- Yeah, man. Like, child. why the fuck would I- Like, I understand, like, it's very sacred in many cultural traditions and whatever. Um, Even even as a practicing pagan, I think for me, it's a little extreme. I don't know if- Like, teeth are one thing. Like, teeth, like, teeth are the only bones in your body you can actually see, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. But, like- a placenta like a living organ is like a living organ i don't know it freaks me out a little bit i'm I'm very squeamish though so i don't know maybe mine is an unpopular opinion i know there's a lot of women out there who are bonded with this placenta because it, it's you know in direct correlation with their child who they just brought into the world so i could see how there might be a little bit of an emotional attachment to the placenta but for me i don't know as somebody who has never bear a child i don't i don't i don't know if that necessarily seems like something that appeals to to me i have another I question know. what if like you lost your eye what if your eyeball got plucked out would you keep your eyeball i would keep my eyeball floating I around in a jar i would put my eyeball in a glass case yes okay <laughs> that's that's a little different i think end like. of discussion <laughs> that's a little different because that's kind of like that's like oh my god what did she do to lose her eyeball that's kind of like a rite of passage like but isn't childbirth also oh my god how did she have a baby how did she do yeah. that with her body? I guess. But if it's like on the inside of your body. Hmm. But teeth are on the inside of your body. But again, that's their bones. <laughs> they're, this is they're, a debate. This is the <laughs> this is a debate. What do you guys think? Are we nuts for for not for not wanting to uh I don't know, bond with the placenta? We're so uneducated. <laughs> I know, we're stupid. All right, next. Let me throw some education at you from so I mentioned my friend Caitlin uh before on a couple episodes. So I've known Caitlin since I was in kindergarten and we've been lifelong friends and she's she's just an amazing person, just blows my world every every day. I got to talk to her a little bit about her experience um as a, a registered nurse in maternal and newborn nursing. So uh Caitlin's got some letters. She's got a BSN, an RN, RNC, MNN. Okay. I don't so know that's what bachelor's that... in science and nursing. Yeah. She's a registered nurse and she's a registered certified nurse in maternal newborn nursing. No, I was going to say, I don't know what, know what any of those letters mean, but I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> she's fucking awesome. And she's also a Reiki practice- practitioner. Oh, wow. I'm like, you're melding these two worlds and science like- and spirituality. Yes. And like just that. taking care of women's health is, is she's amazing to me. I love it. This is what she had to say about her own experience in the medical field regarding the placenta and how it's handled and um, the patient's choices with it after childbirth. Uh, So she says there's a a practice called a lotus birth, which we kind of said earlier, and it's, it's when the umbilical cord isn't disconnected from the placenta. Um, So she also says, or an umbilical non-severance. This is a tradition where the placenta is not immediately detached from the baby's cord after birth. Instead, the placenta is typically placed in a bag with herbs such as lavender, rosemary, and salts to dry out the organ and decrease odor, and then left to naturally detach from the cord. This process can take several days to about a week. She says the cord is usually clamped to prevent bleeding. Um, but the clamp is removed before the mother and baby leave the hospital. Um, and we're going to talk about other herbs that you can 
put together or buy for if you choose to do a lotus birth. Because like you see pictures of little baby next to the placenta in like this beautiful like silken bag. Yeah. The umbilical cord on the head. I'm like, Ugh. But I mean, like, I love, I have to say, like, I love how pagans find a way to make everything beautiful, even if it's just like a fucking murder, a murder scene up in there. And they're just like, let's just put it in a beautiful little, little organza bag with lavender and rosemary. And it's just going to be, it's just going to be wonderful. If you, if you let a pagan walk by like a little dead bird, they're going to put a little leaf on that bird. They're going to make a little crystal grid around that little thing. They're going to take care of it. Everything is sacred. We, we make a ritual out of everything. Yes, it is beautiful. I have to say it is beautiful looking at it and coming at it from that perspective and finding a way to make something so like I'm going to say, I know it's not repulsive to to the mothers who are bonded with this child and organ that they created just as a result of the childbirth. I just personally think it's like horrifying. (laughs) Seeing any of your insides not where they're supposed to be is shocking. Right. Like yeah. I would find that very traumatic. Yeah. Personally. But for put it back for in, anybody, put it back in. Put it back in. And the doctor's like, no, you don't need that anymore, dude. That was just <laughs> no. for the kid. Yeah, what? <laughs> um, but I don't know. It's just like I just like love how pagans have found such a beautiful way to approach that something that could be so traumatic yeah so caitlin goes on to say some people choose to bury the placenta or give it to a third party to be dried and processed into capsules or powder for consumption which we'll talk more about later um she says this practice is thought to have such benefits as reducing postpartum depression increasing milk production and promoting promoting healing however it's important to note that there's no there is limited scientific evidence to support these claims caitlin says that it is also important to note that the consumption is not widely accepted by medical practitioners as it can pose certain risks to both the mother and the bebe. The placenta is a source of infection and leaving it attached to the cord can increase the risk of bacterial growth. Mm. Additionally, the placenta and cord should be handled with care and proper hygiene to prevent the spread of infection. The safety concerns regarding the practice of consumption primarily related to the potential uh, for bacterial growth and infection. The placenta is a filter for the baby, which we kind of touched on, and can contain harmful bacteria. It's important to ensure that the placenta is thoroughly inspected after birth by a qualified medical professional, such as the doctor or midwife, to ensure that it is healthy and free of any signs of decay. If there are any concerns about the placenta, say um, they do spot something off, they will send it to pathology to be examined. Um, This is done to ensure the health of the baby and the mother, because in some cases, certain abnormalities in the placenta can indicate potential health risks or issues for the baby later on. It may indicate an existing infection that the mother needs to be treated for. Amazing. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like divination. It's like, oh, you got a problem? I can see it in your placenta. <laughs> it's like an eight ball. <laughs> and you like send it in. It's like, nope, try again later. <laughs> it's important to note that if the placenta is found to be abnormal, the parents are not allowed to keep it. She okay. she then said, you do not get to pass go. You do not get to collect $100, $200. <laughs> try again next time is what she said in discussion. Yeah, basically an eight ball. 
Yeah. Uh, if the placenta is found to be healthy, it can be sent off to a lab for sterilization and processing. It is important to ensure that the placenta is handled and processed in a safe and sterile environment to reduce risk of infection. If a person plans to send their placenta to the lab for processing, they'll typically bring their own cooler and provide documentation to the medical staff. Uh, the placenta will be examined by the doctor or midwife to ensure that it is healthy and free of any signs of the decay. Um, and she said once they match up... <laughs> Placenta name on cooler, placenta owner, everything's good to go. Um, and they deem it safe. They put it in a bag and put it in that cooler. And then it's the responsibility of the partner or whoever the support person is providing uh, the, the support to the mother to arrange for pickup of the placenta by the lab. Uh, the lab representative will present the paperwork and identify themselves. And then the placenta will be handed over to them in the presence of the partner or support person to verify the name and ensure the proper uh, transfer of the placenta. We then, as medical staff, are no longer responsible for it. And she was like, it's out of our hands. Some people choose to take the placenta um, to bury it as a form of giving thanks to Mother Earth for a healthy pregnancy and baby. This practice is often rooted in culture or tradition and may be considered a way of honoring the placenta as a representation of the connection between the mother and baby during pregnancy. So they usually bury it in a place and put a tree on top, which we're going to explain over and over and way more coming up yeah. here shortly. Yeah. Um, she says, this last one's not so great, but some people choose to ingest the placenta as is, uh, meaning consuming it raw or 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 cooked without having raw. a third party. Yeah, without having so, a third party be involved or a lab. Like uh, placenta sushi, basically. Oh, sashimi. <laughs> sushi. Oh, she said, not recommended. <laughs> Yuck. Practice is more common in certain cultures and religions, particularly in the third world countries. It is believed that the placenta, it is believed that the placenta, I got so lazy saying that. Placenta. <laughs> placenta. It's rich in iron and other nutrients. Um, it's also important to note that consuming raw placenta carries the risk of bacterial and viral infections as it may not have been adequately cleansed or sterilized. Like if you're not having a third party come in or a lab, how yeah. do you expect to, like, just dehydrating that thing is not going to clean it. Right. So consuming raw placenta can also spread diseases like HIV and hepatitis without a lab sterilization process. These risks, as well as STIs and chorioamnioitis, or as they call it, choreo, um, okay. are very high. Placenta, the other white meat. Oh, no, no. <laughs> um, so no that, that's pretty cool because I know the sources that we pulled from talk about the spread of disease and how it's um you know bacterial infections but it's interesting that she's she is solidifying the fact that, like that this can be hiv this can be hepatitis these are st were what were stds now stis and right. um the chorioamnioitis oh you that word down impressed <laughs> thank you to your, your friend caitlin that was very informative. Um, I like how I like how she like walked us through like a step by step process on how to like legally take a placenta from a hospital. Like, mm -hmm. in case I need to know that for future <laughs> reference somewhere down yeah. the line. Well, it's good to know because some people are like, okay, well, I gave it to the lab, and then they'll yeah. like call the hospital. Like, what's going on? Like, no, this is yeah. between you and whatever lab you chose to right to this procedure. Like, we're not right, a part right. of this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about some other cultural traditions. So in Cambodia, the placenta is considered to be the origin of the baby's soul, and therefore the burial place is surrounded with spiked plants to protect the baby's soul from evil spirits. Whoa. Yeah. In many traditional communities, people believe that the condition of the placenta will predict the child's future, skills, and abilities. 
Also, it is believed that improper handling of the placenta can affect the health of the mother and or the child. Thus, rituals for the handling of the placenta must be performed precisely and with great care. Many of these rituals involve washing the placenta in a special liquid, wrapping it with, with certain fabrics or plants, placing it in a specific vessel, and burying the placenta in an appropriate location. Quite a few cultures believe that it is important to pick an auspicious place to bury the placenta. In Turkey, if parents wish their child to be devout, they bury the placenta in a courtyard of a mosque. Whereas, if they want their child to care for animals, they bury it in a stable. Oh Interesting. Goodness. So they basically bury it wherever they want their kid to, I guess, they want their profession to be, or wherever they see their kid going in life, that's where, that's where they bury it. Wow. Um, yeah, so, but in Ukraine, the belief is the midwife must not bury the placenta in a doorway or any place where it would be stepped over or else the mother would become infertile. Mm. Yeah. On the Indonesian island of Bali, the native tradition is to enclose the placenta in a coconut shell and hang it from a tree in the village graveyard. It is believed this will protect the child from illness and misfortune. The village of Bayangid has become a tourist attraction due to the hundreds of placentas hanging in its graveyard. Whoa! I gotta look this up. Hang on, I gotta look this up. That's nuts. Yeah, I need to see what this looks like. Indonesia's Ministry of Education and Culture declared the cemetery a national heritage site in October 2011. Y'all, you got to look up a picture of this, but it's B-A-Y-U-N-G space oh. G-E-D-E. B-A-Y-U-N-G space what? G-E-D-E. Uh, okay. Oh my God. Isn't that crazy? That's so many. Yeah. There's That's just so like coconut many. shells all over this place. I, I do appreciate that they're in coconut shells. So these coconut shells have like a white powder around the circumference and up like horizontal and, and vertically. I wonder what that is and what that significant is like the binding of hmm. of that do you see those pictures yeah it looks like twine or something the ones i'm looking at it, look like um like cascadia powder okay i'm not this is bali so i'm not really sure what they would have used right oh i think i see what you're talking about interesting very it's interesting. so wild yeah this podcast i tell you i know we're learning things man amazing so while some of these rituals may seem superstitious the respect shown to the placenta since ancient time indicates that our ancestors knew there is more to the placenta than just medical waste and i do i have to say i do appreciate that about other cultures and this probably has a lot to do with like just being raised in the in the in the west we were just brought up to believe that it's medical waste everything's disposable exactly exactly maybe that's why i'm just like so like squeamish about it i don't know um (laughs) yeah it's it's nurture right yeah but i I can we were never told that it would never be an issue right but i can appreciate how other cultures just like deem it such a sacred not sacrifice or offering to the earth back to the earth exactly or as a means to have their children prosperous in their lives yeah it's really beautiful it is beautiful in ghana an infertile woman urinates on the ground where the placenta is buried in the belief that her fertility will be restored. The birth of twins is regarded as a great blessing and as a sign of fertility. However, the inability of the mother to breastfeed both twins may result in the death of the weaker child. Uh-huh. <laughs> Among the Navajo Indians in the Southwest, it's customary to bury a child's placenta within the sacred four corners of the tribe's reservation as a binder to ancestral land and people. New Zealand's Maori have the same tradition of burying the placenta within native soil. Filipina mothers are known to bury the placenta with books in hopes of a smart child. Oh, cute. 
The indigenous Bolivian Aymara and Quechua people believe the placenta has its own spirit. It is to be washed and buried by the husband in a secret and shady place. If this ritual is not performed correctly, they believe the mother or baby may become very sick or even die. Mm. Um, the Igbo of Nigeria and Ghana treated the placenta as the dead twin of the live child and give it full burial rites. Oh, wow. Wow. So even if like it wasn't a twin pregnancy, they still treat it every birth as a twin pregnancy and bury the placenta as the twin they must have child. really full cemeteries like oh my god they, or do they do like cremation because like that's a lot i don't know man damn i know i know in the indian culture in the hindu culture they 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 cremate i don't know if um african culture is the same but yeah. but yeah amazing yeah man well let's talk about indonesian traditions and this okay. is from baby gaga Ugh, i wanted to do, i wanted to do queen <laughs> Radio Gaga. Radio Gugu. <laughs> so for the people of Indonesia, the placenta is actually considered the elder sibling or the twin of the baby being born. They believe that the placenta is there to serve as the baby's guardian all through his or her life, for which reason it needs to be buried instead of being disposed of. In fact, there are several w rituals that must be performed before the burial, and the placenta is treated with utmost respect and regard. See, the fact of the matter is that the placenta, while the baby is in the womb, is responsible for nourishing and protecting it. It joins the mother to the baby and forms a link between the two by supplying blood through the umbilical cord to the developing child. Not only that, it also plays a vital role in the secretion of hormones that are required for a smooth pregnancy and to prepare the body for breastfeeding. Apart from the basics, the placenta additionally provides the developing baby with all of the antibodies that he or she needs for ample protection in the first few months of their existence. If truth be told, if it weren't for the placenta, babies would not have their very own life support system. Instead of tossing away the outstanding body organ and marking it as merely clinical waste, people in Indonesia take every step necessary to revere it and then give it a proper burial. The burial needs to be performed by the father of the baby strictly. However, before the burial is necessary for the placenta, supposed dead twin of the baby, to be placed in a clean bowl and properly washed. If it is not properly handled, Indonesian folklore has it that the mother or the baby will fall very ill. This uh, particular tradition is also followed in the, what we just talked about, the Igbo of Nigeria. Yeah. My so Google some... just turned on. <laughs> what? How did that just turn on? Because Igbo kind of sounds like Google? Google, Igbo. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So ceremonial burials of the placenta in Turkey. The placenta is largely considered as a friend and or comrade of the child that has just been born. As it is more so a part of the child, is it is extremely important for the placenta to be given utmost respect and reverence. And this, I feel like this is a reoccurring theme in all of these traditions. It's just very highly respected. It is because of this belief that the placenta, it's placed in a clean bowl, washed with extreme care, wrapped in a neat and tidy piece of cloth, buried under a tree. Um, although the tradition has now vanished, women also used yeah. to eat their placenta in the form of a pate or pasta dish. Ew. Interesting. Ew. To be honest, the Turkish people believe that the relationship between a child, the umbilical cord, and the placenta is similar to that of their belief that the people and animals that a pregnant woman sees and the food that she consumes will impact the baby in his or her mother's womb. For this reason, the um umbilical cord and the placenta are not thrown away considering that it tends to influence the future life and employment of the newborn baby. 
which we wild we we briefly touched on before with the placenta already buried the umbilical cord receives similar treatment it is to be thrown into water so that the child may move elsewhere in search of his or her destiny wow um it is thrown over a wall into the garden of a school could you imagine sitting there during class and just seeing (laughs) placenta coming over the friggin garden wall um so that the children may grow up to become a highly educated individual that reminds oh, me I- of your story of your aunt throwing your Ouija board over the back wall of the of your house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I can- I'm just like have I have this visual in my head of the- just like freaking placenta coming over a wall. Yeah. However, all of this needs to be done after carefully washing and wrapping up the umbilical cord as a mark of respect to not just the umbilical cord and the placenta, but to the relationship they hold with the baby as well. How would I- how do you not get in trouble? for that right like that's just accepted i guess over there i don't know who's that poor janitor who's cleaning that <laughs> i got another placenta today we got another placenta Ew, that my thought... code. What, what 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 would the code they would give like a special code or something placenta in the hacienda <laughs> what if oh. he's like a weird janitor though and he's like he's got like a collection of all the placentas that he's ever collected oh. on his walls Oh my god, he's just got them like floating in like mason jars in his like in the boiler room. Oh. Wasn't the boiler room always like like the forbidden like room to go in? Like no kids were allowed in the boiler room. That's because the janitor's got all his placentas <laughs> floating in jars. Queen's, did you watch Queen's Gambit? Yes. I thought it was gonna be like spooky because she goes yeah. and hangs out with the janitor in the boiler room and it's fucking creepy That's as shit. Right. Where did that come from? I don't know. Hmm. All right. So the people of Malaysia give high regard to the link between a mother and her baby and the placenta. It is for this reason that the placenta, according to Malay traditions, must be handled with proper care. This means that the placenta and umbilical cord need to be buried along following Malayar traditions. Upon the birth of the child, it is necessary for the placenta and the umbilical cord to be buried properly in the doorway of the child's house. Which is weird because we just talked about not being buried where it can be stepped on yeah can we just talk about that this is like the broom episode yeah there's just like everything contradicts each other from culture to culture some people believe a some people believe b yeah yeah for this both the placenta and the umbilical cord need to be cleaned as meticulously as possible after that it is placed in a piece of cloth together with several spices these are inclusive of salt and tamarind together with onions and a whole lot more once that is done it is also vital for needles books and pencils to also be added to the piece of cloth. All of this is basically done in order to make sure the child grows up to be a hardworking individual and a very intelligent student. After adding in all of these items into the cloth, the placenta and umbilical cord are carefully wrapped and buried in the doorway of the house. Now, there are certain restrictions in the Malaysian culture that must be complied with in terms of the burial of the placenta placenta and umbilical cord for instance it is necessary for the placenta and umbilical cord to be buried before or after the 12 noon mark Hmm. what (laughs) if the if the okay if these are buried at 12 noon sharp tradition holds uh that the newborn baby is going to grow up to be a very stubborn individual okay so you can't have it noon on the dot is what i'm reading okay also it is vital for the father to make sure that the placenta is not buried too deep as burying it deep within the ground will delay the child's uh, acquisition of his or her speech abilities. As weird as these traditions might sound to us, these just go on to show how highly regarded the placenta is to people across the world, something that has just 
dawned on us in the recent past. Okay, guys, we've been talking for a while, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will continue talking about the placenta in different cultures, including the Hemong people of Asia, the Maori of New Zealand, birth customs in Sarajevo, and stick around to find out what the placenta has to do with birthday cake. What? We'll be right back. Hey, we're the Stinas, and you're listening to the Magnolia Street Podcast. All right, so traditional Hmong culture and its reverence of the placenta. For those who don't know, the Hmong people are largely considered as being part of one of the oldest known civilizations in the entire world. In current times, the Hmong people typically live in northern Thailand, southern China, northern Laos, northwest Vietnam, and Burma. In the traditional Hmong culture, the placenta holds extreme importance and is highly regarded to the point that it needs to be buried inside the family home where the birth takes place. It is believed by the Hmong people that the placenta plays a vital role in establishing a link between the living world and the spirit world. To them, an individual continues to maintain a deep connection with his or her placenta all through life, for which reasons it should not be discarded. What? What? <laughs> what? We, they're saying we have a connection with our placenta throughout our whole life? That's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's why we're traumatized. Uh, I know the article that, that we're going to talk about, that reverend guy. Yeah. The one that you were like really like hesitant to talk about. Yeah. Um, he talk I think he talks a little bit about how I guess like we're we're still connected with with that from okay. I don't know if he was like talking about traumas from like your mother and or father okay. passed on through the place. I don't know. Maybe I was reading it wrong. No, but that's what I that's what I got from it anyway. But yeah, we'll <sighs> talk about that a little later. Okay, the word used by the Himong people for the placenta actually means jacket. And they believe that the soul of an individual actually goes back to the place where his or her placenta was buried in order to collect its placenta jacket. <laughs> it is only upon successfully doing so that the soul will be able to move on to the spirit world where it can meet its ancestors. Also, it is only after collecting the placenta jacket and traveling to the spirit world that the soul will be reincarnated and sent back to the world as a new baby. That's kind of cute. Yeah. That's kind of cute. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I guess that's like but, a, a cute, putting, putting a cute spin on, on something weird. I don't know. <laughs> I hope if my soul goes and finds its placenta, it's a, the kind jacket. of jacket, it's a, it's a duster. My placenta is a duster. <laughs> You know what? I was just like picturing it as like a life jacket, like one of those oh, like puffy yeah. orange things you wear on a cruise, like yeah. on a or like on a boat or something. I'm on a boat. Um, little life jacket. <laughs> so, what if the placenta is not adequately buried and the soul is unable unable to reunite with it? Well, the Hmong people believe that in such case, the soul will remain in a state of unease and wander for eternity. That, too, all alone and naked, as it could not collect its placenta jacket. Also, there is a bit of gender disparity when it comes to the location of the burial of the placenta. For males, it is necessary for the placenta to be buried right below the main post of the house. This basically goes on to signify that the male child will, in times to come, become the main strength of the family and serve as the performer of rituals and spiritual carrier of the household. On the other hand, the placenta of females is buried under the bed of their parents. <gasps> what? Wow, fuck that. Why do we get the, the shaft here? What? Because we're only used for procreation. Apparently. Yeah, that's bullshit. Wow. Another, you know, another reason why I think maybe me and you are so rebellious against, against that, because fuck the patriarchy. That's why. <laughs> That's fucking right. We are not breeders. Fuck off. 
it's not our sole purpose in life no 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 no. we are creators of everything else we are creators of art not children put that on a (laughs) t-shirt kim get at it make us a meme (laughs) dude that would have like you're not gonna you're not gonna dance you're gonna make a confirmation fucking kills you're not gonna have kids go make your confirmation Okay, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Maori people of New Zealand uh, and their traditions relating to the placenta. So this might be a little redundant. We'll see. So the Maori people residing in New England have a completely different oh, Zealand. What did I say? New Zealand? You said England. Oh, New England? <laughs> yeah. So basically Massachusetts. The Maori people residing in New Zealand. Have a completely different view of the placenta. To them, the placenta creates a connection between the newborn baby and their land or tribe. The Maori of New Zealand, I can't not do it, hold a strict belief that the adequate burial of the placenta on tribe land assists in the establishment of a lifelong connection between the newborn baby and their ancestral land. To them, children will hence remain loyal to the ancestral land and not move anywhere else. Through the burial, they believe that the Wenaway is being gifted to Papa Tuanuku or Mother Earth. On the whole, this particular ritual is based on the famous saying, what is given by land should return to the land. Although the majority of Maori women these days deliver their babies in proper hospitals, they live fairly far away from their ancestral lands. They have continued to make sure that the said tradition is not forsaken in any manner whatsoever. For this reason, the expectant mothers or a close relative of hers prepares a special basket in which the placenta is to be brought back home. Upon the delivery of the baby, they place the placenta in a specially prepared basket uh, which is then carried home by the father or grandparent of the newborn baby. After that, the placenta is taken back to the ancestral lands uh, for the burial to take place. The placenta is typically planted with a tree or an ins- on the ancestral land as trees signify ongoing life. However, in case the couple does not wish to have any more babies for a while, the placenta is buried under an ant pit of green ants. As the per the Maori belief, Upon the consumption of the placenta by the green ants, the couple will not have any more babies for quite some time. Quite a means of birth control. Am I right? I mean, you could you could just be a nanny. I yeah, for real. <laughs> you don't need no green ants. Be a nanny. This um, yeah, next uh, article, this folklore.ee, was awesome. It's it's big. Um, I th- got most of the like main things. Okay, but this thing was really cool if you're interested in in this area what uh justine is going to tell us about go check out the link below okay where is where sarajevo where is that is that it's um bosnia herzegovina bosnia got it okay so the ezra mord mordvinian birth customs in sarajevo and povodomovo villages this is by marika mikor translated by kate riello uh, this is from Folklore.ee. In the period between 1984 and 1989, Mikor conducted interviews with women in various Estonian villages located on the coast of the Black Sea in the Caucasus. The focus of these interviews was on birth traditions. The gathered material was later compiled into an overview of the birth traditions of the Azorians, along with the votes, uh, which are Finnic indigenous people native to Ingria. This land lies along the southeastern shore of the Gulf of Finland, stretching from Finland to just south of what is now St. Petersburg, Russia. Also, the birth traditions of the Soikola Peninsula, which is west of St. Petersburg. Also, the finish of the Kurgola Peninsula and the beliefs related to childbearing and midwifery of the Caucasian Estonians. 
Additionally, in 1988 and 1989, Mikor collected material on notable days in life in the Ezra Mordvinian villages of Sarajevo, Bosnia Herzegovina, and Povodimovo, Mordovia Republic of Russia. The following more Mikor's discoveries about burial and birth customs in these villages. Known in Sarajevo as the child's pillow, the placenta was wrapped in a piece of cloth placed in a birch bark shoe, often with a breadcrumb, just one, <laughs> just one breadcrumb, <laughs> one lone breadcrumb, and buried mostly under the, the farm room's floor so that a stranger, like a witch, could not find it. Sometimes it was buried also in the farmyard. One respondent said that it was buried under the floor during winters as there is no place for, for that in the garden then. Mm. In Povodimovo, the placenta was buried so that it would not lie around and no one could steal it. A 66-year-old woman they interviewed by the name of Lyubov Sagachova said that a babuka could steal the placenta to feed it in a meat pie to a sterile woman so that she could have children, whereas the rightful owner of the placenta would become infertile. Interesting. Babuka! Babuka! Um, another woman knew that a childless woman should eat a dried placenta. Another efficient treatment for infertility was thought to be whisking in a in sauna in a sauna the use of placenta for curing sterility is mentioned in other more mordvinian tradition accounts as well and earlier people were afraid that a person assisting the birth or a sterile woman might steal it which i think we'll talk a little bit about stealing placentas a little yeah, later. yeah we we have a case of, of a placenta stealer a little later on so <laughs> we'll get that. Um, after the, after delivery, the mother's and child's face were wiped with placenta, particularly when there were marks or something similar on their faces. Sterility has been cured with placenta in the Arab countries as well as Serbia. An infertile Arab woman had to dig out the placenta, soak it in the water, and wash herself with it. In Serbia, fresh placenta was used for that purpose. The Arab people believe that mistreating placenta could make a woman sterile. Therefore, they took care to prevent the placenta from being eaten by cats or stepped over as it might have resulted in the future sterility of a woman. The Russians and Romanians believe that an infertile woman had to eat the end of the umbilical cord, whereas in Estonia, infertility was cured by drinking the navel blood of the newborn baby. In Estonia, Finland, and elsewhere, people tried to bring along or control birth by burying the placenta in a certain way. If it was buried with the umbilical cord pointing upward, the woman would remain fertile. If the cord pointed downward, she would become sterile. That's wow. kind of like a passive way to approach birth control. It's like, yeah. oh, let's just bury it this way and maybe you won't have kids again. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, yeah. All right. So, Christina, tell us a little bit about the importance of placenta in Chinese history and culture. Tell us about placentophagy. The practice of placentophagy, or eating one's own placenta, is rather common in China and actually has a history of over 2,000 years associated with it. It is believed that it was Qin Shi Huang, the first emperor of the unified China, who initially made extensive claims about the health properties of the placenta and why it should be consumed. Of course it was a man. Also, the Empress Cixi, C-I-X-I, is believed to have consumed the placenta during China's last dynasty as a means of staying young. According to me medical texts dating back to the Ming Dynasty, the placenta plays a very significant role in the survival as well as the development of a baby 
in the mother's womb. Uh, it's packed full of nutrition, and when taken on a long-term basis, it has the potential to help one achieve longevity. Proponents of traditional Chinese medicine believe that eating the placenta is the finest means of celebrating birth and contains all the nutrients required to keep postnatal depression at bay. Um, which Caitlin kind of said, like, it, it has been known for postpartum depression. Traditional Chinese medicine has long associated blood with breast milk. As we all know, delivery takes a serious toll on a mother's blood toll. Believe it or not, women lose up to about 750 milliliters of blood during labor. Ooh, that is crazy. We lose That'll... blood all our lives. And then you lose 750 milliliters during birth? I'm sorry. That alone is enough to just, like, talk me out of having a kid. <laughs> <laughs> not the medical bills. That's horrifying. Mm. That's a lot of blood. That's a lot of blood. That's like that Thanks. scene in The Shining mm. where the elevator comes down and yeah. the door is open. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Yuck. After the delivery, the substantial blood loss can lead the mother to be blood deficient. This, according to Chinese medicine, has the potential to negative impact the mother's milk supply with insufficient milk for the baby. In order to replenish the milk supply, traditional Chinese medicine deemed it necessary for mothers to consume the placenta so that any issues with the with insufficient milk and lactation can be resolved right away. Uh, so the different elements that traditional Chinese medicine believe the consumption of placenta can help with quick recovery after childbirth, postpartum depression, insufficient lactation... Uh, achieving longevity. It is further believed in China that the consumption of the placenta can help with these things like excessive fatigue and infertility. This goes on to show that it isn't just the mother who is allowed to consume. What the fuck? Isn't wow. allowed. Okay. <laughs> it's not just the mother who is allowed to consume the placenta. Others can join in the meal too. I'll yeah. Just... Why, why not make it a birthday cake? <laughs> hey, great like segue. My... You like my segue? Where are this? <laughs> fucking cake comes in because you put you were like hey i added something about cake boom comes uh, the birthday cake, cake by the ocean <laughs> have you ever wondered where the concept of the birthday cake comes from yes you have now i have <laughs> like i was gonna say it never crossed my mind like i never even thought about where where that whole custom comes from but according to the personal blog <laughs> of Sandra Beretic from Um, She says, in some languages, placenta is translated as cake or, quote, mother's cake. And she says, it seems to me that actually the common ritual of celebrating one's birthday by eating and sharing a birthday cake with dear friends and family comes directly from the ancient custom of eating the placenta. Who knew? The birthday cake is even traditionally round in shape, just like the round shape of, of a placenta, placenta is such an amazing and fascinating organ that besides that, it has so many functions throughout the pregnancy. It continues to provide nourishment and energy to the mother and baby even after the birth. And the word for placenta, oh, she's <gasps> Croatian. The in, her, in In the Croatian language is Hotsjelica. Hotsjelica, which oh means- Oh my God! Which means a little bed or a cradle or resting place. Oh, how and adorable. she says, I find that meaning so beautiful. Placenta really is our first bed, our first home, a place to sleep, rest, and relax, and our first safe place and shelter. Mm. Our mama's womb, right? Wow, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So then that got me wondering because I was like, okay, this rando lady on a WordPress blog is telling us the origins of the birthday cake having to do with the placenta. I was like, how accurate is that? 
Yeah. You know, so I kind of like did my own little research and Wikipedia actually says, because Wikipedia is so accurate too. (laughs) um, (laughs) Wikipedia says uh, placenta cake is a dish from ancient Greece and Rome consisting of many dough layers interspersed with a mixture of cheese and honey and flavored with bay leaves baked and then covered in honey. The dessert is mentioned in classical texts such as the Greek poems of Archistratos and Antiphanes, as well as the De Agri Cultura of Cato the Elder. Um, and then I was just, I fell down the rabbit hole a little more on better together bc.ca. It says, how far back would you guess the history of cake goes? Well, the English word cake comes from the old Norse word kaka, K-A-K-A, but the concept of cake, that's even more ancient. Come explore the surprising history of cake with us and learn to make cakes both savory and sweet. So this is a cake blog, basically. So um, this blog, it kind of reiterates what the wiki page says. The ancient Mm -hmm. Greeks made cakes Mm -hmm. called plakus from the word flat. It might remind you of a little bit of today's baklava. So real quick, is kaka in in Sicily the same as it is in Croatian? It just means shit, right? Yeah, that's what I thought it meant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but this uh, this is it's it's a Norse word, so it might be different in Norse culture. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's saying that in Greek, in the Greek culture, the cake itself is kind of like reminiscent of like a baklava. Mm -hmm. Uh, It says plakus, P-L-A-K-O-U-S, were flat and made from eggs, milk, nuts, and honey. The Romans made a similar cake called placenta pronounced placenta and to the romans placenta was a cake fit for the gods made of flour honey and cheese a bit like roman placenta dude that Um, sounds really good yeah placenta cakes were offered to the gods as a sacrifice we know that placenta cakes were also eaten at roman birthday parties thanks to the roman poet ovid's account of his brother's birthday and his angry account in his tristia of the worst birthday Ever with no cake oh you God. can try a recreated recipe for placenta here or try your hand at this recreation of a rosemary infused roman honey cake recipe from pompeii dude so, should we try yeah. to make this we should we should try to make that my should birthday's we coming placenta up off a placenta off <laughs> wow so after all of that yummy cake talk there is an article from the denverpost.com that uh researchers are warning don't eat your placenta. (laughs) (laughs) I guess actress January Jones told People Magazine that placenta consumption is not, quote, not witchcrafty. I guess most people were calling her a witch for eating her own placenta. Okay. Um, But a lot of celebrities are are chowing down on their placenta these days. Yeah. Not just January Jones. Yeah. Um, But I guess since like all these celebrities are doing it, a lot of, you know, of us common folk are following suit, thinking it's some kind of trendy thing. And now researchers and scientists are and doctors are be like, yo, don't do that. Stop that. Don't do that. <laughs> um, so I mean, I act on your own uh what's the word? Volition, accord, um discretion. Pers- yeah, discretion, proceed with caution, do your research, um, do what you feel is best for you. But this is just what one um person wrote. They say. More than 200 millennia of human civilization and two centuries of modern medicine have brought us to this recent heavy-handed admonition by scientific researchers. It's probably a bad idea to eat your placenta. The 11-page medical jargon-filled article published this month in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology seeks to provide a clear answer to what many view as a somewhat gross question. 
Over the past decade, the authors say, there's been a growing interest in natural childbirth by people wary of bringing a human life into the world in an antiseptic room full of intravenous drugs, glove doctors, and fluorescent light. And many have questioned whether doctors have it all wrong when they place the placenta in a biohazard bag and toss it out. After all, for many mammals, the consumption of placentas, placentophagy, which we learn, as research, researchers call it, has been going on for as long as there have been placentas. So I have two things to add. Yeah. Okay. So it will cost you, if you do choose to encapsulate your placenta, I don't know if you listed how much it costs. Is it a lot? Um, you're looking between 125 bucks to $425 to have okay. this done. So yes, it, you could look at it from like a reverence point of view, but it's also costing you a little bit of dough. Like, are you sure you want to do this? I um, thought you were going to say something a little more crazy, which is why I was like, is that why all the celebrities are doing it? Because it's so expensive and they can. Right. This one says maybe upwards about $500. Okay. Um, that's not like, that's not horrible. That's no, not like, no, like, no. It's like getting a tune up. <laughs> yeah. But if like, if, if it's like the only choices are encapsulate it and eat it, take it without it being processed and bury it or have it, have them throw it, throw it away. Yeah. You're probably going to get charged for the, the hazardous waste of them throwing it away too. Yeah. yeah. So you might as well take it and bury it. Cause that's free. Right. Oh, um, so true. that was the one thing. And then the other thing I wanted to add was, um, that you had said uh, for many mammals, um, they do consume their placenta. I wanted to list some mammals that don't. So some mammals that don't, um, all sea mammals don't. Members of the camelid family, camels, alpacas, and llamas. And it lists humans, um, but <laughs> we just found out that's not right. <laughs> Marsupials uh, also do not ingest their placentas. So okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, marsupials we know are pouch mammals right they they form their young in their little jellies and their little pouches yeah by the way sidebar punky loves kangaroos what he, he could sit and watch kangaroos for hours oh my on god TV. that's so it's cute a, it's adorable Dude, i wish i could like marsupial my cats you know just carry them around in my pouch all day dude i i when i first got Coraline, my mom got me a little sweatshirt with a little pouch for her yeah. she was too fat to fit in that thing <laughs> i could not carry her around in a pouch that's funny. Um, I might be able to get away with it with Punky, but Coraline's like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> but the, the recent article seeks to tackle two major questions. Is the practice beneficial and is it safe? For anyone who missed that day in biology class, the placenta is an organ shared by a pregnant mother and growing her fetus, functioning as the lungs, gastrointestinal, gastrointestinal system, liver, and kidneys of the developing child. During birth, the organ is expelled along with the baby, and most hospitals discard it as medical waste. Proponents have said eating placenta reduces pain, improves mood and energy level, increases milk production, and may have anti-aging properties, a wonder drug produced by a pregnant woman's own body. For humans, eating placenta has been a fringe practice until recently. Positive placenta eating anecdotes have flourished, and so have companies that charge hundreds to prepare placenta for consumption. Mm. Dehydrated like beef jerky, uh, or processed into smoothies or pills. I mean, I, I could understand like a pill, like taking a pill, yeah. because like we take pills, we, ne we never know what's in that shit anyway. But if right. this shit's coming from your, your own body, yeah, like, okay. But as beef jerky or a smoothie or just like raw, where you can see it. Yeah, nah, like, bro. Nah, nah, nah. Meanwhile, doctors and policymakers who regulate what is safe to put in our mouths admit to being somewhat flummoxed by the practice. According to the research paper, more than half of obstetricians and gynecologists said that they were uninformed about the risks and benefits of the practice. And 60% said that they weren't sure whether they'd be in favor of it. 
That vacuum of sound medical advice by family doctors has been filled by celebrities and reality TV stars, which uh, we'll get to in a second. But briefly, we'll talk about January Jones, which is what this headline is kind of, I guess, quoting. So we have January Jones, who told People magazine that placenta consumption is, quote, not witchcrafty. And that capsules helped her get back to a grueling Mad Men shooting schedule after her son was born. She ingested the placenta pills every day. She says, your placenta gets dehydrated and made into vitamins, she told the magazine. It's something I was very hesitant about, but we're the only mammals who don't ingest our own placentas. Liar. Yeah. Kim Kardashian West tweeted about eating her placenta in a bid to get people to download her app. Okay, she's a she's a twat. Can we just say like um she does she'll do anything to get people to buy her shit. Manipulator. Yeah. Her sister Courtney fed some Courtney Courtney (laughs) fed some placenta to her family as a prank. (gasps) Oh, I'd be fucking furious. Yeah. That's that's furious. Could never do that to somebody. Wow. Oh my god. Um, buoyed by the celebrity endorsements, a cottage industry has sprung up to make placenta palatable. No, I'm no. sorry. No thanks. More like popping a vitamin pill and less like the Dothraki pregnancy ceremony from Game <laughs> of Thrones. Did you you're you're not a Game of Thrones fan, are you? I didn't watch that. I can oh only imagine. Oh god, you gotta watch that shit. So there's no question that people are eating placentas, but is anything good happening afterward? The researchers answer, nope. They acknowledged the claims made by proponents, but analyzed any scientific studies that they could get their hands on and found them lacking. Many were unscientific or surveys taken by people who self-selected to participate, raising serious questions about bias. The researchers warned that positive anecdotes about improved emotions may be influenced by the placebo effect. Right. Yeah. So until recently, it's been of little consequence. People have always done things that seem weird or gross to others, unpalatable but harmless. But in June, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention released a warning about placenta eating. A new mom in Oregon passed on a potentially deadly blood infection to her breastfeeding baby, as the Washington Post's Peter Holy reported. The cause? Capsules of the placenta the mother had been ingesting since giving birth. Because placentophagy is potentially harmful with no documented benefit counseling women should be directive physicians should discourage this practice the recent study says healthcare organizations should develop clear clinical guidelines to implement a scientific and professional approach to human placentophagy the study also sought to debunk the claims made by ardent proponents of placenta ingestion the organ does not contain small amounts of oxytocin a drug that causes the smooth muscles around the mammary cells to contract and eject milk, the study says. But there's no indication that oxytocin or other hormones can be absorbed from eating a placenta. In rats, placenta ingestion was found to increase the pain threshold without inhibiting the ability to care for the offspring, but a similar effect in humans has not been found. Still, changing made-up minds may be difficult. The doctors on this study have PhDs, yes, but they don't have the reach of a reality television show or an app like Kardashian West who gushed about eating her own placenta. She says, I can't go wrong with taking a pill made of my own hormones. You gotta do it like she does. <laughs> how, do you, how, do you, how do you even do her voice? I don't know. I'm not gonna try. Uh, <laughs> I can't go wrong with taking a pill. Well, I can't go wrong with taking a pill made of my own hormones made by me for me. 
I started researching and read about so many moms who felt the same way and said overall healing process was made so much easier. Okay. Kim, All right. fuck off now. Kim, fuck off. Kim, fuck off Kardashian. Um, <laughs> I have to say though. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say like. cannibalism. You're eating a human body part. Yeah, I guess so. Right? You're eating, like, yeah, it's yours. I mean, and if, if is there a difference between like chewing your own fingernails? And eating your placenta, like you're ingesting a human, a a human organ anyway. Right? Well, so did fucking what the hell's his name? Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, Dahmer. Yeah, like, do you want some barbecue sauce with that? Like, fuck. I don't see the benefit because it's not held up by science. Right. And like, like I said before, if you want to have it, you know, processed in a lab and put into a little pill and like take it as a capsule, I could see how that would be a little more acceptable than like actually having like an actual organ in your hands and putting it in a cooler and like taking it elsewhere and cooking it up on a barbecue. <laughs> Fucking hell. Honey, time to flip the placenta. Oh my God. You want any placenta burgers, anyone? Oh, fuck. Um, no, not Chloe. Courtney. Well, Courtney. No, was it wait, was it yeah, Courtney. She she uh she said it to her uh, family. pranked them. If you even consider that's a if that a prank, I think that's just fucking cruel. Like Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> but let's talk about some other celebs who have eaten their placenta. So okay. Christina, you want to tell us about some some of these crazy sure. people? I did right. not know of some of these. I really so the first one is Hillary Duff. Actually, I did not know this. After Hillary gave birth to her second child, her daughter, Banks Violet in October and explained on Dr. Elliot Berlin's informed pregnancy podcast that she drank her placenta in a smoothie. (sighs) (laughs) Is is that like, is that the power, like the powder, the processed powder, or is it just blended up, just blended up placenta? I don't know, man, but I'm just picturing like throwing that shit in like my magic bullet (laughs) and like, (laughs) She says it was the most delightful smoothie I had ever had. I haven't had a smoothie that delightful since I was 10. It was calorie filled with juice and fruit and everything delicious. The actress did admit that she was skeptical of the idea, but after learning that drinking the placenta could prevent PPD and post-birth bleeding, she figured it was worth a shot. What's PPD? Postpartum depression? Oh, that makes sense. After yeah. she took the plunge, Duff admitted to feeling great and taking the rest of the ice, the rest in ice cube form, as opposed to the more common pill form. I heard something weird about pill. She said, I heard placenta burps are not ideal. Oh, no. Yeah, placenta burps, but no mind that other chick that we just talked about that transferred that like blood disorder to her. Yeah. Young, her feeding, yeah. breastfeeding baby. Like, I don't know, man. But the thing is, like, if it's helping you with something, the placebo is working. I guess. Yeah. Just like somebody told you that, uh, what, what did they tell you that if you like write a certain way or if you, if you read, oh, something- yeah, if you press your tongue to the roof of your mouth, it makes you read faster in your mind. <laughs> that still cracks me up. <laughs> so funny. Bitch. Anyway, not you, the person who told me that. Right. All right. Catherine Heigl. We all know her from Grey's Anatomy, right? Um, I knew her from Knocked Up. I knew her from Roswell. Oh, damn. That's really, really throwing it back. But like okay. most people, I feel like know her from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Um, Catherine Heigl and her husband, Josh Kelly, welcomed baby boy Joshua Bishop Kelly Jr. on December. Oh, it's my birthday. It's a sad baby. What's up? On December 20th, the Grey's Anatomy alum worked with a neuro naturopath throughout her pregnancy and says she's been happily popping placenta pills 
since just after her C-section, when another mother down the hall in the hospital passed along the name of a company that freeze-dried pills. This guy came, he was a total cowboy, cowboy hat, cowboy boots, and a bag of placenta. She was told it Jimmy Angelo? Was it Jimmy Angelo? He's illegally um, peddling placenta pills to- Oh my god, he's evolved. He's evolved. Yeah, 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 yeah. He took it to his wife who freeze-dried it and turned it into pills, and I've been taking them. Oh, 100%, Jimmy. Wow. 100%. <sighs> All right, here's Courtney Kardashian again. Her life may be the stuff of E- like the e news ratings sweeps but even k dash can use some help keeping up with her three kiddos after baby rain was born in the winter of 2014 the reality star started popping pills of her freeze dried placenta in fact courtney is such a fan that she posted a photo of the pills on instagram along with the caption yummy placenta pill no joke wait oh wait that's still the uh, i don't want to do her voice anymore she's annoying no joke i will be sad when blame my placenta pills run out. They are life-changing. Hashtag benefits. Hashtag look it up. You look it up. After the birth of St. West, Kim confirmed uh, that she's following. Oh, Kim, like Kim started it after her, yeah. after St. West was born. Okay. Yeah, I like how Courtney is doing it for the benefits and Kim's just like, I can get people to download my app if uh -huh. I do this. Uh-huh. Tia and Tamara Maori. We know the them the twins from hey. Sister Sister. We were didn't we say that in our first episode? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> By the way, I like how we're still like we're still referring to them as Tia and Tamara Maori. Mm -hmm. They're both married women, have their own lives, have their own new last names, and they're still they're like, like the Owens women. They never they're still joined name. at the hip. Yeah. It says if you're going to give your twin sister a taste of your own afterbirth, bleh, you might as well make it interesting right at least that's what we imagine went through tamara mary's head when she served her sis her sibling tia some brandy with a splash of placenta in 2013 before the er cocktail went down the hatch tia shrieked oh my god i see residue though after she admitted that it's kind of good oh my god what is okay. wrong with these people okay <laughs> okay so oh. tia was aware at least that like this was yeah. gonna be their thing like as if yeah, they weren't yeah. close enough they just like but the, now they're putting it in cocktails they're making like cocktails with it like i'm wondering if they just like keep it in a jar under the bar with their maraschino cherries like it has like one of those quick pour tops on it you know <laughs> like the liquor bottles quick pour tops but how is the residue getting through a quick pour top those are like little tiny holes um who's gabby hoffman i guess we'll find out i didn't watch that show but gabby hoffman girls. she was in do you remember now and then with christina ricci yeah she was in that movie okay she was one of the little girls in that movie okay yeah um so gabby hoff if have a good placenta recipe becomes a popular question as what do labor pains feel like we can credit gabby hoffman no relation to alice i hope after giving birth to baby Rosemary on November 19th, the quirky, cool girls actress asked her doula and midwife to chop up her placenta into 20 pieces and freeze them. Then, each day for the next three weeks, she added a chunk to her fruit smoothie every day to boost energy and milk supply. Placenta, 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 she told people.com. Just eat that shit up. It does a girl good. That's gross. I'm convinced, like, these people, celebrities they're on another planet they're man. on a different level yeah i'll never understand it alicia silverstone after seeing silverstone chew up food for her then one-year-old son bear no one batted an eye when she dished about chomping on her placenta to be fair the pills were a gift and she figured this came from my body what the heck it was love at first swallow 
I've got to the point that my husband said, did you have your happy pills today? Silverstone said on live with Kelly and Michael. And I was really sad when they were gone. It really helped me. Like, I'm convinced this is like, this is definitely the placebo effect. It sounds like a lot of like codependency. Like, oh, yeah. I really need those. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But are they really doing anything? Again, there's no research to back this up. <sighs> My embolic says, um, for this, I know her from Big Bang Theory and like Jeopardy, Jeopardy okay. now. Uh, if any I mom- keep forgetting we're like 10 years apart. Like my generation knows her from Blossom. That's okay. We have the whole spectrum of know. knowledge. All right. All right. Give it to, to us. Pull from. If any mom has come under fire for her parenting choices, it's Balak. The Big Bang Theory star has gotten flack for bed sharing, natural birth, breastfeeding her three-year-old son, and yep, eating her own placenta. Hashtag haters gonna hate. She faced the critics head-on in a frank and honest blog post, writing, Human beings are the only mammals that have chosen to not routinely ingest their placenta. Again, incorrect. Mm -hmm. Which is consumed by every other mammal for its protein and iron-rich properties that are critical in helping the mother's body recuperate after giving birth. End of story. Like, just go- I just googled what animals don't eat their placenta. Yeah. <laughs> and all these mammals popped up. So. <laughs> yeah, that just goes to show there's a lot of misinformation floating around out there. Just yeah. do your research, people. Yeah. Um, next up we have Holly Madison, the play Playboy Bunny. Placenta was on Madison's mind even before she gave birth to daughter Rainbow. Again, these celebrities, the names that they give their children just shows how to, how out of touch with reality they are. Rainbow. This might sound gross, but I'm totally planning on having my placenta turn into pills I can take after giving birth, she wrote on her personal blog. I heard it helps women recover faster and I want to recover as quickly as I can. Luckily, the former playmate found the pills easy to swallow and way less gory than she imagined. Again, like I could see like the pills being like, like, okay. I don't want that shit in a smoothie. But yeah, I don't want to put chunks of shit in a smoothie. No, thank you. Or like chop it up into 20 pieces and freeze it. Like that. Or like what they said about Hillary Duff. She took the rest in ice cube form. Like, what does that mean? She just like put a like placenta ice cube in her iced tea or something? Yeah. Woof, woof. Yeah. Um, we don't anyway. have kids. Who are we to judge? But girl, I'm judging. In this episode, yeah. I'm kind of judging. I'm sorry. Caitlin Lowry, the hardworking teen mom, reportedly struggled with postpartum depression and breastfeeding after delivering her firstborn son, Isaac. So when she gave birth to baby Lincoln last fall, she decided to have her placenta encapsulated for a little extra postpartum TLC. Lowry posted an Instagram photo of her stash on November 22nd and tweeted the next day. For those wondering, I'm feeling pretty good so far taking my placenta pills. Lowry, 21, tweeted again a day later, no negative side effects. Yeah, because it doesn't do anything. I, <laughs> okay, placebo. I'm going to shut up. Placebo. It might help many people. Yeah. Write in if you have done this and you felt good side effects. Write if you didn't have any, or if you didn't have anything. If nothing, yeah. it didn't help anything. Yeah, I said, I said, I'm sorry before to, to our, any audience members who are listening who think That's we're true. being super judgy. We're not trying to judge. We just don't understand, you it's, know? It doesn't work with my palate. <laughs> not even that. It's just like, you know. I'm allergic. I'm squeamish. <laughs> like, this just gives me the heebie-jeebies all around. Yeah. But um, I'm sure, I'm sure anybody who, anybody who actually does this can probably see, see it from our perspective too, hopefully. But we're learning. We're learning here. I do enjoy hearing about the other cultures connections right and why they do it that's really cool yeah but the celebrities on the other hand i mean i feel like it's just a it's just a fad for them Mm -hmm. you know it's just Mm -hmm. like a 
trendy kind of thing for them mm-hmm. to all start doing. Um, but anyway, this last one is Kim Zol- Zolshak. I don't know how to say her last name. Apparently, she's one of the Real Housewives of Atlanta. I've never watched the show. But it says that uh, perhaps the only thing less appetizing for this Real Housewife than a placenta smoothie is suffering from exhaustion and postpartum depression. So while recovering from giving birth to her twins no- in November, Zolshak chugged the fruity afterbirth drink. She said, I can do anything for my babies, she explained later. Of course, Nene's favorite frenemy wasn't going down alone. She bullied husband Croy Beerman into drinking it in a gorgeous profanity-laced rant. Interesting. That's fucked up. It is fucked up. I'm sorry. If if chugging my own afterbirth was my bag, I would not be like, Avi, you have to do this too. Yeah, no. Hell no. Hell no. Okay, guys. One little last little tiny little thing. And we'll let oh, you- by the way, all of those little quotes and all those little blurbs from the celebrities, that was from parents.com. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. So this is from the Chicago Tribune and it says the practice known as placentophagy did not go over well when depicted last year on the British cooking show TV Dinner. According to The Independent, a London newspaper, the show featured a London couple celebrating the birth of their granddaughter by preparing, then eating the baby's placenta as a means of reflecting rituals around the world and symbolically sharing in the baby's gene pool. The placenta was fried with shallots and garlic, flambéed and pureed and served. How can I, why can I say flambéed and not any other fucking word in this (laughs) podcast? Um, And 20 family and friends as a pate on focaccia bread. The father had 17 helpings. Yeah, because you can't refrigerate it. I'm sure it doesn't have a shelf life. But not only that, anything that you add shallots and garlic to is fucking bomb. It is. Like, yeah, right. you can add that to anything and it's like, what yeah, about I'll, Brussels sprouts? I'll have fucking 17 helpings. Justina. You know, Fuck Brussels sprouts. sprouts. <laughs> I'll, I'll try a placenta flambéed with shallots and garlic before I even touch Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Fuck those things. I love them. Like They're dirty so diapers. They're so they taste like wet bags of fart, Christina. What? Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm growing Brussels sprouts in my garden. Oh, I can't wait. Have at it. You have at it. <laughs> know those fart bags taste later. <laughs> um, but other guests were less enthusiastic, the paper reported. After receiving complaints from viewers, the Broadcasting Standards Commission ruled the program had breached a taboo that, quote, would have been disagreeable to many, end quote, even though the producers attempted to treat the subject sensitively and fairly. Wow. But is it really sensitive and fair if you're like, I don't know, preparing it as if they were on like Gordon Ramsay's Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. What's it, the great British Bake Off. Yeah. Like I didn't see this episode, so I really don't know how it came off. I think I I'd know. have to watch it to like get a full like scope of what this episode entails. <laughs> this podcast episode has my like emotions like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, it's, yeah. it's blowing my mind. This is nuts. Like, this is definitely probably the craziest topic we've covered so far and might actually be this might be our peak like this might be the peak of like crazy, crazy yeah. shit of what we're going to be talking about <laughs> yes yeah um but yeah so uh we're gonna go ahead and take a break right now we're gonna let you guys recover from some of the trauma we've instilled in you over the past hour or so and when we come back we will do a card pull from the inner witch oracle by grounded by the moon unfortunately there is no placenta card <laughs> but uh we're gonna pull and see what we come up with and i don't know we'll we'll find some way to uh intertwine intertwine it and connect it with what we're we're talking about today so we will be right back 
Welcome back, guys. We're going to give you a little palette cleanser of a card pull from the Inner Witch Oracle deck. Justina is pulling out Grounded by the Moon's beautiful Practical Magic-inspired deck for a little shuffle and a little card pull. All right, are we ready? I'm going to shuffle. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Oh, new moon. Oh, okay. New moon. Uh, uh, didn't we have new moon already? We did. We had coming out of the broom closet, we had new moon. Oh, shit. All right. Well, I can already see how this one intertwines with this uh, with this topic because the the uh, I guess the phrase or mantra not mantra the keyword on this card is new beginnings and mm -hmm. what is what is that of a childbirth it's the beginning of a new life so I think that's like probably the perfect card for this episode <laughs> I don't know what else I could have pulled out of this deck that would have made any sense yeah it also means the darkness. So it says, you are ready for this. Allow yourself to give into the newfound energy and embrace it. New beginnings tend to bring about needed changes. Letting what we no longer need dissipate and vanish from our lives. Now is your time. Your new beginning is right before you. The new moon tells you that now is the time to confront issues and begin your new path. The new moon also brings with it illumination, highlighting and bringing into focus that which we are hiding from ourselves. New moon often symbolizes and encourage, encourages new beginnings. Use this card during the new moon cycle and readings to harness its energy. And the mantra on this card is, I am ready for and embrace the new. So I guess this is nice for like new moms, like getting ready to jump into motherhood. Because it's Absolutely. a whole, it's like jumping into a whole new life. You're shedding your past self, your single self, um, your selfish self. Like you're about mm -hmm. to give your entire life over to this new child this new being that you're bringing into the world yeah. and embracing it with open arms and just being getting yourself prepared for all of the new experiences that come come with that territory it's a, it's a little stranger you've just brought a stranger into your home exactly wow. like you don't even know you don't even know this person yet yeah, yet you're expected to clothe them feed them <laughs> love them what if they're an asshole? asses <laughs> exactly yep. well you know uh and again props to the moms Props to the moms. Props to the moms. Love that. <laughs> um, real quick, I'm really curious. So, uh, children born during the new moon. What is that? What does that mean? Is it good to be born during the new moon? It says, well, children of the new moon are known for their bounder boundless enthusiasm. It still remains a fact that you were born when the moon's energy is at its weakest. That means you're weak. No. <laughs> <laughs> that means that while you're good at aggressively going after what you want, you tend to have trouble sustaining that energy. It says children of the new moon love trying out new things, new trends, new places. To others, it seems like you are always overflowing with an abundance of exciting new ideas to the point where it can be hard to keep up with your vitality and enthusiasm. You have the childlike innocence, wonder, and curiosity, which most people lose as they mature. All of this means that you are extraordinary, extraordinarily creative, the quintessential ideas person. On top of that, since you're always so certain about what you want, you're someone with a strong personality and drive. You tend to be quick about taking action in order to turn your desires into reality. That, however, doesn't necessarily translate into productivity. <laughs> and basically what I said before, while children of the new moon are known for their boundless enthusiasm, it still remains a fact that you were born when the moon's energy is at its weakest. That means while you're good at aggressively going after what you want, you tend to have trouble sustaining that energy. You usually have a strong burst of motivation and energy at the beginning, but it fizzles out quickly. You keep starting up new creative projects, but never finish them because you keep getting distracted by newer and shinier ideas. Mm, all right. We're going to take you guys into some folklore. This is my favorite portion. I love the sciencey stuff, but 
the folklore stuff is pretty sweet. Yeah. All right. We're going to start off uh, on ancientorigins.net and some Celtic mytho- mythology. Look no further than the opening two lines of this Celtic creation myth. We find many mythological correspondences. In Scott Leonard's 2004 book, Myth and Knowing, the Celtic myth opens with, Once upon a time, there was no time. That was when there also was no God and no man walked the surface of the land. But there was the sea, and where the sea met the land, a mare was born, white and made of sea foam, and her name was Eohach. To the layman reading that Eohach, uh, spelled E-I-O-C-H-A, was made of sea foam, is so abstract that it could justifiably be called psychedelic. But this is actually an essential component that can be found at the primary levels of many other creation myths. In Greek mythology, for example, from Aphros, sea foam, Mixed with the blood from Uranus's genitalia came Aphrodite, the beautiful goddess of love and sex who sailed on a pillow of foam. And wasn't it called like the child's pillow? Yes. Also, furthermore, in Tamra Andrews' 2004 book, Dictionary of Nature Myths, we learned that Viacocha, the creator deity of the pre-Incan and the Incan mythologies in the Andes region of South America, name tr- translates to fat or foam, of the sea. It should also be noted that the opening line of the Peruvian myth is almost exactly the same as the Celtic creation myth where it tells sea foam emerged from a lake with a few associates. The Celtic creation myth states, where the sea foam meets met the land, a mare was born, white and made of foam. Broadly speaking, mythologists classify the story of an emergence myth, which is itself defined by creator entities passing through the weird worlds or transitioning to arrive in the present world. In this case, a mare emerged from the tide line, which is representative of duality. What is more, sea foam is near perfect expression of emergence and transition, and that it is formed out of sea, quote, in the other world, and drifts to shore, quote, where two worlds meet, where sea and land become one. Sea and land being the provider of the boundaries upon which Celtic nations were built. Reading Donald Alexander Mackenzie's 1997 Oh, we're going to have so many books to put on Goodreads. Scottish Wonder Tales from Myth and Legend. One gains a deeper appreciation of the centrality of the ocean and Celtic culture, and therefore a greater understanding of the sea foam archetype. Mythologists Marta Wagel and Ryman Van Over grouped reoccurring mythological themes and noticed that before anything, quote unquote, before anything in myths, a primeval abyss is described alternatively as cosmic pulp primordial soup, and the infinite expanse of water or space. Originator deities are generally poised above this abyss and live eternally within it and spark creation by by stirring the abyss with sounds, words, or vibrations or dreams. The abyss appears in the holy books of the Hindus, the Vedas, which explain that all the inhabitants of earth emerged from the primordial sea again at the beginning of the judo-christian story of creation the spirit of god stirred above the waters and later created a firmament in the midst of the waters to divide the waters genesis chapter 1 verse 1 through 6 the celtic creation myth refers to a time when there was no god and man there was the sea. This is a classic rendition of the primeval abyss where before anything was the infinite expanse of water and it is in the abyss sea foam forms then emerges. Basically, all of this in layman's terms, is this basically saying that in this Celtic folklore, um, this is saying that humans emerged out of the sea. We don't actually come from 
another body, like a human body. They're kinning, I guess, the sea and the sea foam to the placenta and the mare emerging from the sea, you know, is being birthed, you know, in this creation story. The sea foam was supposed to, I guess, represent the placenta, the little safe haven pillow. Real quick. Okay. So did you ever notice in renaissance paintings like for example like i think da vinci did a painting of adam and eve do you notice that they don't have belly buttons oh i've never noticed that like how would they right they weren't birthed from a human oh interesting yeah adam just was adam he blooped and then eve came from his rib right that's so weird So, so they weren't actually born of the umbilical cord yeah okay or or they weren't born of the womb rather Mm -hmm. um I've never noticed. Wait, let me see. Uh, Adam and Eve painting. I think I actually, I did a study of this in art school and <laughs> I can't remember if I gave them belly buttons or not. <laughs> oh no, do they, do have, they, they do have belly buttons, um, which always made me like confused because I was like, well, how do they have belly buttons if they weren't born of like a human? So since we're kind of snowballing off of the whole, I guess, topic of creation in a biblical sense. Mm-hmm. We're going to roll on over to this little this little doodad of an article by Reverend John O'Keen. Okay. Should okay, we... before before we yeah. get into this, Christina's going to lay out the groundwork for us because all right, I found this article and Christina was like, I don't know if we should share that. It's a little it's a little woo-woo, it's a little wonky. This guy's like from some church. This seems like Christian Catholic uh propaganda like we don't know like what the deal is but then christina looked into this a little further why don't you tell us a little bit about this guy yeah and you kind of talked me into sharing this as a means of showing that it's important to look into who the article is written by and where it's from and just because they cite a bible verse what the hell does it have to do with what they're talking about, A? And if they say there was a news article about this, maybe look into that. So Reverend John O'Keen, if you just Google his name, the first thing that comes up, he's a musical artist. That's the first thing that comes up. And you can find him on YouTube, Facebook, and, but apparently he's part of the Nigerian church. He's a pastor and he has the he has Reverend attached to his name. Technically, so am I, which fine. Like if you're doing the word of God, fine. But somebody reading this, somebody just happening upon this article could see written by Reverend John O'Keen, O'Kene, O'Kene, mm-hmm. and could just take this for for gospel, no pun intended, without yeah. like looking, like just look up this bro. He is a human with an opinion who writes for a Nigerian newspaper, okay, or a, a news so, column, online column. So he is not an expert by any means. Right. I don't think he has a placenta or ever has dealt with anybody working with their placenta. I don't know. Maybe he goes on to say so. But we wanted to share the article. This is on, what is this, on theguardian.ng through Nigeria. And do you want to say anything else in addition to that? I just like how, I like how you likened him to just like a random Joe Schmo. He's anybody. He could be anybody. He does not have a PhD. Right, right. This is just one person's opinion, and it's it's basically hearsay. It says, like, I heard a story about a nurse, blah, 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 right? Right. He just heard a story. He's not, he didn't even cite any references. (laughs) Right. So, so we took it upon ourselves to go down that rabbit hole a little bit, and we're going to, we're going to talk about that for you now. I don't know what church or what denomination he's affiliated with. I tried looking into that, but everything I Googled just pointed us to the music. Can you say um, he had I'm, a Spotify a Spotify yeah, account? He was on Spotify and the <laughs> guardian.ng, which he writes for. He has quite a few articles in there. I could not 
really uncover in the amount of time because we just started talking about this this morning about yeah. like what their views are um right. kind of who they're affiliated with but again we want to share this to show opinion is opinion they're like assholes right so yeah. everybody has one everybody's got one yeah so this guy's opinion okay first of all the name of this article is deliverance from placenta witchcraft okay yeah all right so right away the title of this got me because i was like what does it mean deliverance from placenta witchcraft like is this like into like some kind of voodoo magic like or some kind of like curse work or something of the sort he opens this article with a quote from it says ezekiel 16 4 so me being a horrible catholic i'm like what the fuck is what what is that verse what does that mean chapter 16 verse 4 it says on the day you were born your cord was not cut nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in cloths. So then I kind of went down the rabbit hole and there was a little question mark on Google that said, why were babies rubbed with salt in biblical times? <laughs> <laughs> so it says Ezekiel 16.4 references salt in newborn babies who were rubbed with salt at birth. This symbolizes that the baby would be raised to have integrity and honesty. And it's possible that this practice cleaned the infant and because salt is a disinfectant that prevents infection and also i think isn't salt in holy water uh like dead sea salt something like that possibly um but anyway going back to the article that was just like i really just wanted to get a basis of like what ezekiel was because he just he just puts ezekiel but he didn't actually put like what the quote was from the bible mm -hmm. his article starts off a placenta is an intermediary between a pregnant woman and the fetus through which the baby is connected to the umbilical cord and responsible for taking oxygen, food, carbon dioxide, among others, to and from the fetus. Emotions are also passed through the placenta to the unborn child. Most times, if there is a curse in the life of the mother, it automatically flows through the placenta to the, fe the fetus spiritually. So I guess that like, if we want to talk about generational curses. Yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, generational curses, any kind of trauma is linked, this guy is saying, through the placenta. So placenta witchcraft, is what he calls this, can be seen as an act or continuous act in which a person or group of persons or powers get hold of a man's placenta to manipulate- Why is it a man's placenta? Right. What the fuck is this? Right. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, a man's placenta to manipulate, control, or truncate the man's destiny. The act also includes what we call placentophagy, which is the act of eating placenta, using it to make medicine or for ritual purposes by witch doctors. So he goes on to say, I heard a story about a nurse that was caught with the placenta. Again, no sources. This mm -hmm. is just hearsay. Okay. It's, he says, she was asked to take the placenta to the husband of the lady that just put to bed but unknown to them the nurse had made an arrangement with the witch doctor to supply him the placenta of a newborn baby for what's n80,000 is that like nigerian money i believe so okay and she had been looking for an opportunity to get one immediately she saw the lady's husband was not around she took the placenta and was going out of the hospital she was apprehended by someone else who asked where she was going with the new baby's placenta while being interrogated the lady's husband arrived on the scene the nurse was severely beaten and she confessed the life powerhouse of a baby is the placenta when a baby is given birth to if the placenta is gotten hold by demonic power it means the powerhouse of that child has been held bound many people are suffering today because they are under placenta bondage that is just that's bizarre to me so i have the article if you want to hear a little so everything you said is pretty accurate this is in the okay. nigerian tribune okay so this happened in nigeria yes okay and um it looks like 
It looks like the police headquarters were involved to uh, investigate further on the issue upon further investigation of the cleric. I guess that's the nurse mm-hmm. at the police headquarters. The cleric also confirmed receiving the placenta. Oh, excuse me. That's not the nurse. The cleric also confirmed receiving the placenta from the nurse attendant, but failed to produce it, saying that he had thrown it into the stream near his house. So I guess this is the person she was selling it to uh-huh. and that 20,000 Nigerian yeah. money. Yeah. Um, the Muslim cleric, whose wife is also pregnant, was said to have told the police that the placenta was useless for the purpose he wanted it wanted to use it for, adding that the baby was delivered through operation against a normal delivery, and that could have made the placenta useful. Mm. So okay. I don't see anything about her being beat. Okay. Again, hearsay. Like, this could have just been like a game of telephone. The story just got passed down from person to person. And, yeah. you know, no one checks their sources, obviously. So mm-hmm. in his in his mind, she was beat. <laughs> I guess. I mean, she could have been beat. I don't know. It wasn't reported, though. So right, right, right. we'll never know. But I just thought it was interesting that he says many people are suffering today because they are under placenta bondage. Interesting. If, if it's gotten hold of by a demonic power. Mm-hmm. Um, So he says, there was a sister who waited for so many years for marital breakthrough. She came to me for prayers, and while praying for her, the Lord told me to tell her to buy clothes for her mother, and she should pray, anoint it, and take it to her mother and ask her about her placenta. She She did as instructed, and when she asked the mother about the placenta, the mother laughed and told her she has been tying her placenta on her waist for 39 years. What? The fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? Like a belt? Like a fucking fanny pack? Like, what are we talking? That thing is all like leathered and strong. (laughs) (laughs) So it says she took the placenta from her mom, brought it, and I prayed for her. And that was how she got her deliverance. Because I guess she finally got her placenta back. It was no longer placenta bonded. No no more placenta bondage. (laughs) Fucking weird. Um, So uh, he finishes with placenta witchcraft is manifested in the following way. If you suffer the same affliction as your parents, it is a sign that there was a spiritual transfer of the problem to you via the placenta. Secondly, when you are having anti-marriage problem that defies solution. Thirdly, when you always see a pot or tree in your dream, it means that your placenta is connected to that tree or pot. Uh, what? <laughs> this is bizarre. Okay. Fourthly, when you find yourself always suffering from near success syndrome, when you discover that you are not independent and find yourself always being c- controlled by your parents, even as an adult, it shows you are under the bondage of placenta witchcraft. So, yeah. So if you have prayed all kinds of prayer, sowed seeds, yet the problem still defies solution, it is a sign you are under the bondage of placenta witchcraft. And lastly, when you see yourself always dreaming of a particular place, your village or a city where you were born, it could be that there is a connection of your placenta to that place. The way to break loose is by being aggressive in prayer. (laughs) Mm. Secondly, you must go to your parents and find out what was done with your placenta and how it was disposed. Thirdly, you should go for deliverance if you discover that your placenta has been tampered with. And he gives some uh, ways that you can dispose the placenta. Give the placenta to your husband and not someone else because the woman might be so weak and may not be aware of what is going on. And then the husband should take an anointing oil to anoint it, make declaration on it. And that's when he he uh, mentions Psalm 24, whatever that is. And either bury it or burn it by putting dusting powder on it to make it dry so it can burn effectively. And then he gives his Gmail address and a prayer line. Aww. <laughs> that's um, not as bad as I was anticipating because I read yeah. like the first little bit and I was like, okay, um, hang on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I kind of like skipped through the whole thing. 
and i was like oh go ahead oh i was saying that's interesting to come from a a, like a nigerian point of view like in day when was this written like this is this is recent Um, let me see this was from march 10th 2019 yeah pretty recent yeah so maybe like placenta witchcraft we might not call it that but like you said like generational trauma or Mm -hmm. like generational curses yeah that i could see being all right so so then would we consider the owens curse placenta witchcraft they all they're all bound by that curse through maria sure oh man oh man so there you have it folks that was reverend john okini or whatever his name is. where was john okini when the owens family needed him nigeria coming through with those those tips on how to (laughs) break that placenta bondage oh shit okay and also go check him out on spotify reverend john okay is that what (laughs) name he goes by on spotify yeah all right there you go we'll have to add one of his songs to our playlist oh my god i'm not did you listen to any of his stuff yet i did not all right it'll be a surprise for all of us we're in for a treat (laughs) you Um, added this do you want to tell us about this uh placenta magic by priestess mole yeah i thought that that article needed to be followed up with some actual pagan practices okay bringing it back to a serious level here you know peg practicing pagans do actually do some very beautiful rituals regarding the placenta and bringing you know new life into the world and we have an article here by priestess molly of uh and she starts off with a quote that says And when you see this wondrous thing that grew me up so well, say thank you to the goddess who made us from one cell. And that is from a poem called Ode to My Placenta by Dr. Sarah Buckley, who is actually, uh, I believe she's an OBGYN. I think I I actually uh, have the full poem toward like the end here. So I'll read it after we're done reading this article. Um, But Priestess Molly goes on to say, I've said for many years now that my favorite color is, quote, placenta red. A deep, rich, life-saturated red. I'm amazed by the placenta. How cool is it that we can grow a whole new organ and then just release it from our bodies when it is no longer needed? Right? It's like a parachute. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to look up who this Dr. Sarah Buckley is, what her um, Um, her credentials are. I think it said, oh, she's the author of Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering, and A Doctor's Guide to Natural Childbirth and Gentle Early Parenting Choices. And she's an MD. Okay. Yeah. So placenta, oh, so placenta Molly. (laughs) (laughs) Priestess Molly. So yes, she said, it's cool that, you know, this organ's just released from our bodies when it's no longer needed. I think the reason the placenta might not get as much acknowledgement and appreciation as it deserves is because it then pales in comparison to the miracle of a whole new person suddenly showing up on earth as well. Forget growing a, a new organ. I just gave birth to a new person. And so the placenta may be cast aside with hardly a glance or even much thought to its powerful role in pregnancy and the sustaining gift of life it offers. In a lovely article called The Placenta Project, an artful birth-based inquiry, Nain Jordan, writing in the current issue of Midwifery Today, explains, I love the placenta as a literal metaphor for communication and communion for reclaiming birth midwifery and women's body knowledge in a society that seems to have lost connection to the earth, earthy mother fabric of our origins. Though shrouded in, quote, blood taboo, as is a woman's menstrual and postpartum blood, the placenta is truly an honorable life giver. A sign of its taboo status is the immediate disgust so many people feel at seeing the placenta's incomprehensible blood-filled mass. And I must admit, I'm totally guilty of that too. I'm just like, oh, it's a lot of blood. 
has yeah. a lot of blood. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the stigma of women's blood is augmented by fears of contamination and disease through con contact with blood after birth the placenta is most commonly treated as what is refused or garbage and discarded as a waste product though our society has an insatiable appetite for gore and violent bloodshed we are seemingly lost when it comes to viewing the blood that gives life um so how might we how might we give the placenta a little bit of recognition? Priestess Molly goes on to say, here are some possibilities. Having a lotus birth, which you talked about a little earlier, which is leaving the placenta and cord attached to the baby until it naturally separates on its own timetable. Women writing about lotus birth experiences describe a very mystical sense of communion with the placenta and are adamant that it is still beneficial to the baby after birth. Sarah Buckley describes more about this process in her article, Lotus Birth, A Ritual for Our Times. Next, you can plant it, which we also talked about. Many families choose to plant a special tree, shrub, or plant over their baby's placenta, feeling that just as the placenta nourished the baby, it can now nourish the earth and another life. Uh, do you think, so if we're going to give the placenta like magical correspondences, I would say it would be like probably the earth, the element of earth. Oh, yeah. For like an elemental correspondence. Right. Yeah. 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 Or water because, you know, blood and like the emriatic right 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 yeah but yeah i would say I earth. and maybe gaia as yeah. the the um the deity associated mm -hmm. with it mm -hmm. um i was looking for actual magical correspondences like listed online but i couldn't find anything like that so i'm like well, i was wondering in my mind like what i would put it what, what category i would put into into as far as like correspondences mm -hmm. and what to match it with i would um, i would associate it with like the hermit card like going really? inward being safe being like oh just by within you know the within okay. i would have associated it with with the world because you have that womb like circle and the figure in the center mm -hmm. and it's like giving birth to new ideas creation and the world is just like a very womb like card to me or the or the moon or the moon yeah oh, so many what like yeah moon connected to the woman's cycle and cycle of life and no yeah for sure all right um, so we were talking about this a little earlier when we were marking each other. Creating art with it is one of the ways she adds we can give the placenta some recognition. She says using blood or paint, place a sheet or paper or cloth over the placenta, lift up gently to create a placenta print, she calls it. Other women shape and dry the cord to save as a sort of ornament. Recently, she says, I read an article about using a cross-section of the cord to create a unique art portrait of the greatly magnified life-giving tissue specimen. <laughs> oh, no. Did you say you saw a picture of this? Yeah, they're pretty easy to find. Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's just a little print, but somebody yeah. had like looped the umbilical cord in like a cursive, cursive letters to spell out love. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, not judging again, not judging. Um, it's I just, just something think it, I haven't seen before. It's so bizarre to me. It's bizarre. Um, so another way she says is to encapsulate it, which we talked about before. In this process, the placenta is dried and powdered and put into capsules for the mother to ingest postpartum. Though research is not ample on this process, anecdotal reports are very enthusiastic about the benefits of doing so. But then we've also heard stuff today on the flip side of the spectrum. So again, yeah. use your own discretion. Yeah. Um, so then she says, I'd love to hear your ideas, particularly about additional rituals of celebration. In my own case, I wish I'd done a little more to celebrate the placenta's role in each of my children's lives. Here's what I actually did. She ha she's had four children. Damn. So, so for her first birth, she says, I meant to take my first son's placenta home from the birth center to plant under a tree but then forgot it 
We went back for a postpartum visit. We asked for it, but it had already been discarded with the other, quote, hazardous waste. Mm. Second birth, she said, my mother was tasked with making a placenta print. It was hard to handle and resulted in very limited success. I rolled the print up and keep it behind my belly cast from this pregnancy, which seems fitting. In honor of this post, I unrolled it for the first time in almost seven years and took a picture. And she added some on the website. You guys can go see it, see them if you want. When this son was about two years old, we finally buried his placenta ceremonially under a nectarine tree. We experienced two redneck moments with regard to this solemn occasion. We cracked up while planning it because the tree had a label around it that said super sweet. And it looked like it was pointing to the placenta. <laughs> And we were digging through the freezer trying to find it. And my husband said, here it is. And I had to say, actually, I think that is a squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're a redneck if you confuse the squirrel in your freezer with your placenta. Oh, my God. All right. All right. So some people, you know, people can be comical about this. Third birth, she says, this was a second trimester miscarriage at home. In which the placenta did not release until six days later. I was desperate for the placenta to come out and I talked to it saying that I would do something special with it if only it would just come out. When it finally had to be gently twisted free by a a midwife, it had decomposed enough that it came out in many little chunks. Oh, that's rough. I'm sorry. At the time, I was so relieved to have it gone that I didn't care when she tossed it in the trash. Mm-hmm. Later, I wished I had brought it home to bury it and acknowledged for having tried so hard to keep my baby alive that it wasn't willing to let go even after my baby left me. That is that is wrenching. Like, nope. Like, I'm not even trying to make a joke. Like, that makes me so sad. So then her fourth birth... She said, my postpartum doula was tasked with making a placenta print. She did so on paper with marginal success. Paint would probably have been helpful, but since we were also encapsulating it, we did not use paint. As with my son, I rolled this print up and stored it behind my belly cast from the pregnancy. After this birth, I consumed a dime-sized piece of the placenta immediately after the birth, and then my doula took it home to encapsulate. I became a huge fan of placenta encapsulation after this experience. And she adds a whole blog in a separate blog post about her experience and we'll link that below. Um, But she goes on to say, after each newborn, I also chose to keep their cord stumps after they fell off. And I keep them all in an amulet bag that I originally wore around my neck throughout my first labor. So, yeah, those are her experiences. She's had four kids, four experiences with the placenta, all very unique ones to each other. Yuck um yeah yeah yuck but also like she made it sound like a beautiful thing i don't know it's bizarre. it's still bizarre to me <laughs> i picture um, people who keep their kids like circumcision yeah no remains nah bro and like scrapbook it i could see like a lock of hair like your fir- yeah. baby's first haircut but nah man i don't know uh there is a poem called ode to my placenta which um priestess molly quoted a little uh little snippet of that right before that blog post um but i was like interest that piqued my interest i was like what's is there a whole poem for this so i looked it up and sure enough i found it and that's on drmama.org and this is again by sarah buckley md so she writes how do i love let me count the ways first I love your beauty, so rich and warm and red. Placenta, you're my pillow in my coziest womb bed. So I guess this is from the baby's perspective, this poem. So it says, second, you bring nourishment and liquid from my mom. When she eats well, then I eat well. That's good because I'm young. Third, you take away my waste and metabolize the rest. It goes out through mom's kidneys. No work, no fuss, no mess. Fourth, you're a barrier to keep our bloods apart. For mom and I are separate beings. 
though connected at the start. Fifth, you're my advocate. You tell my mom what to do. Your home, your hormones keep me growing, and that makes mom healthy too. Sixth, you bring oxygen each time mom takes a breath. I need a lot of clean, fresh air because my lungs don't work quite yet. Seven, you're my thermostat. You keep my womb just right. Mom sweats for me in the daytime and warms me up at night. Lastly, you're my treasure chest of blood for when I'm born, the extra meal that fills me up to birth me in top form. So please don't cut my cord too soon and don't pull on it too. I'll, co I'll call for my placenta when I am safely through. And when you see this wondrous thing that grew me up so well, say thank you to the God who made us from oneself. Isn't that cute? Wow. That's so cute. That's not too bad. No. I thought that was adorable. I was like, how could the placenta possibly be adorable? But that made it, that made it cute. That's pretty cute. My yeah. pillow, my little pillow. Right. All right. We have an article, Christina, you want to take us through this article on blood magic, uh, placenta encapsulation, encapsulation ritual. This is an actual ritual, like oh, spell work okay. that you can do with the placenta. And this okay. is by, uh, the author is Cassie from paganparenting.org. Sure. All right, so Cassie says, On the spiritual side, the placenta mirrors the tree of life, which is hell in high regard across many faiths. The placenta grows in the mother's body, bringing forth new life and sustaining the next generation until they are, until they are ready to enter the world, a miracle of biology to say the least. This is a mirror of life-sustaining energy we take from Mother Earth. During the creation of the placenta, the mother is providing for her child as the Earth provides for us. So yeah, your, your Earth connection, absolutely on point. Just mm -hmm. So after the child is born, the mother can consume this energy to better provide in the future, just as the earth consumes fruit fallen from the trees to replenish her energy into new life and providing again and again. So for this ritual, first and foremost, you will need to find a licensed professional, <laughs> licensed local professional, okay, to encapsulate your placenta. It is best to have this arranged before birth so it can be done immediately after birth. Once you have your capsules, prepare your ritual space. Or if you don't have a placenta handy, Use a pomegranate. Oh, I like that. I like that. All right. So you can use a substitution if you're not down with, you know, if you if still want to honor that. Okay. Yeah. The placenta, the actual placenta makes you a bit squeamish because I know what for me, using a pomegranate or any kind of fruit as a substitution in place of that, I think that's beautiful. Okay. okay. Here's what you're going to need. Tell us. So herbs connected with mother earth, like black elderberry, chamomile, echinacea, uh, fenugreek. Oh, fenugreek. Yeah. Fenugreek. You got to let me try. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, You're like, I got to get to work. Speed it up. Yeah, yeah I got to go soon. Uh, are a few examples, a red candle, a candle holder, and charcoal burners for herbs, your placenta capsules, or the pomegranate seeds in a glass of water. So on the ground, cast a circle and call your corners if that's what you like to do. Close your eyes and visualize a warm, dark cave. This is a gateway between our realm and the divine, the mother goddess cave. This is a place where you are uh, immersed in her motherly love. Focus on your breathing, calm, steady, and flowing with the pulsing energy of Mother Earth. Feel your energy blending with her energies, taking it in with each breath flowing as one. Stay here as long as you wish. When you are ready to welcome this energy into your physical space, feel it expanding from you creating a sphere of pure white energy of the Mother Goddess. When you feel fully immersed in her energy, call your corners. In the darkness, Earth's energy sprouts new seeds. I welcome... So this is if you're calling Earth. Here, she's going to take you through what you can say. Okay. So in calling Earth, 
In the darkness, earth and earth's energy sprouts new seeds. I welcome this energy into my space. Air flows through every dark space, stirring inspiration. I invite this energy into my space. In the darkness, fire ignites a guiding light. I invite this energy into my space. Water flows through all, bringing life out of the darkness. I invite this energy into my space. Call to the mother goddess. This should be done from the heart and contain what motherhood means to you. Say what you really feel and invite her to join your circle. Light the charcoal and add the herbs. Allow the smoke to fill the space. Take this time to just relax and be in the moment. Light the candle and watch the flame flicker in the smoke. See how they dance together, but separate, just as you and your child, just as the blood in the placenta. Take in a deep breath and feel the warmth of the mother, mother goddess's energy all around you and flowing through you. You now are a mother and have a brand new connection to nurture to grow from. This is a bond like no other. So yeah, if you guys are interested in, in, in uh, either doing that ritual or reading the whole thing you can find that on paganparenting.org it's very beautiful it, it is looks, very it's look really beautiful it's pretty long but it, again make it your own yeah uh, as she says but we're gonna link that for you below so, so what's this about placenta and birth control so amongst the countless beliefs pertaining to the placenta held by people and their cultures worldwide this one sure comes as a, <laughs> this one sure comes as a surprise yes the placenta according to the folklore of many countries and cultures holds immense importance and one of them states that it can also assist with birth control is this what we were talking about a little bit before like it was very passive birth control. You just throw it in the ground. If it's like turned one way. One way. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you make her infertile if it's upside down. Yeah. Um. This says, that's right. As outrageous as it sounds, couples in Transylvania who do not wish to have any more babies are known to burn off the placenta upon the delivery of their child. After the burning part of the ritual is done, the father of the newborn baby is required to drink the ashes. Holy shit. Oh, no no way that's a no for me <laughs> upon doing so he will supposedly become infertile thereby deeming it impossible for the couple to have more children again I'm fucking pissed if we had sex guys, again and i got pregnant yeah i'm picturing again. like a like in a cartoon you know when they ignite like the tnt like the umbilical cord is like the fuse and they light it and then oh my god the placenta is just like loaded with fireworks it just implodes <laughs> But like again, a very passive form of birth control. Don't actually don't do this. Don't try that. If you really don't want to have kids, you know, go to a professional. There's there's contraceptives for that. <sighs> um so similarly, people in Ukraine make sure that the placenta is not buried in a doorway. Why so? Well, for the simple reason that it would not be possible for the couple to have any more children if the placenta gets buried in a doorway. Apart from that, Ukrainian midwives, as it is believed. Just need to take a look at the placenta to tell how many more babies a couple will have in times to come. On the whole, traditional Ukrainian people are of the notion that the placenta is associated with a mother's future fertility. For this reason, it is necessary for it to be buried in the right place. Apart from doorways, it is also vital for the father of the baby to make sure that the placenta is buried somewhere it cannot get stepped over. In case this particular bit of care is not taken, the mother is forever going to remain infertile with no hopes of ever be being able to conceive a child ever again. So we figured this is going to be our only like pregnancy topic, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know how much there is to like speculate on Maria's pregnancy. There might be a little bit, but we figure we'll throw in the crystals and the teas and all that shit. So do you want me to take crystals? We yeah, want to take crystals. It. All right. So this is from peninsulakids.com. These are crystals for pregnancy, 
birth, and postpartum. We're looking at Moonstone. You can use, wear, incorporate Moonstone. Uh, Moonstone supports and strengthens the feminine cycles and can aid you through fertility, conception, pregnancy, birth, and breastfeeding. It is said to balance the hormones, assist the fluid retention, and allow acceptance of your new beginnings. My wedding ring is actually a Moonstone. Yeah, uh, I like Moonstone. It's so pretty. Uh, Aventurine. Aventurine reduces morning sickness and eases heartburn and indigestion. Again, maybe don't let this be your only form of medical care. Unikite promotes a positive pregnancy and healthy growth for babies. It also creates a strong connection between a mother and her unborn child. Good old amethyst calms mood swings, clears anxieties, helps to reduce, helps to release birth-related fears. It also promotes restful sleep and reduces pregnancy-related insomnia. Malachite, known as the midwife's stone, is also said to stimulate contractions ease labor pains, and felicitate a safe birth. Peridot, said to open the birth canal for an easier, smoother birth and aid uh, the emotional transition into motherhood. Pink chalcedony is a wonderful stone to support the breastfeeding process, increase lactation, and ease nursing problems. Rose quartz, you can use rose quartz. Uh, stone for love is great for new mums as it promotes motherly instinct and bonding with your child. Citrine, I love a citrine. Yeah. Perfect for the postpartum period to rebalance hormones and encourage self-care. Known to promote joy and optimism with its bright color and energies, as well as strengthening courage and self-confidence, it's a lovely stone for anyone suffering from uh, postal depression. Crystals can be worn as jewelry, held in your hand, placed in your bra or in a pocket of your bra under your pillow or in a specific body part during meditation it's used as a focal point in labor and even put in drinking water be careful look up which ones can go in water they can't not all of them can make sure you purchase from a trusted source so you know you are getting the real thing remember to set your intention with each crystal by concentrating on how you want it to help you it's all about intention oh hey Coraline as crystals (laughs) absorb a lot of negative energy it is recommended to cleanse them by laying them out uh, during a full moon or soaking them in seawater work with them regularly and you can soon experience the metaphysical properties of the earth's energy they have grounded balanced and healed humans through many centuries again i feel like full moon light is the safest thing you can smoke cleanse you can sound cleanse not all of these crystals are good in water and not all are good in sunlight so just right. look it up yeah also We're going to talk about some teas that you should avoid during pregnancy. This comes from babycenter.com. And before pregnancy, you may have sipped a cup of chamomile tea to help you not off. During pregnancy, not such a good idea. Studies show that if you drink chamomile tea regularly, you may have a higher risk of miscarriage, preterm labor, or low birth weight. Other herbal teas to avoid if you're pregnant or nursing include alfalfa, Black cohosh, blue cohosh, comfrey, dongkwai, ephedra, called ma huang in traditional Chinese medicine and is actually banned in the United States since 2004. European mistletoe, golden seal, hibiscus, whorehound, kava, labrador, lemongrass, licorice root, mugwort, we've talked about this before, has been known to uh, being in a, I guess it's like kind of like a herbal abortion, if you will. Uh, nettle leaf also called stinging nettle leaf, passionflower, pennyroyal, rosemary, sage, sassafras, saw palmetto, vetiver, yarrow, yerba mate. Um, But, you know, always consult your doctor first and refer to our disclaimer before taking any any of these herbs, either before, during, or after pregnancy. Yeah. They list comfrey, which I heard you're not supposed to take comfrey internally. 
Don't okay. make a comfrey tea. If okay. you're using it for bruises, bruises, breaks, bone knit, use it outside. Don't ingest it. It could fuck up your liver, I think. All, All right. right. So we got some products for you. We all, you know, this all sparked from, they make a, a placenta bar. And yeah. I was like, is that a real thing? It's a real thing. It's a real thing. But I think we have, you listed some cosmetics here from Wikipedia and some shampoo. Yeah. Um, I was going to say real quick, have you ever used a placenta shampoo? No, have you? I actually, when I was like in my early twenties, I had like a really bad bleaching experience with my hair mm-hmm. and um, I actually bought placenta shampoo. I never used it. Wow. I never okay. used it because I was like, did you get it at the store? Like a group? Like yeah. A- yeah. I got it at like a Sally's beauty supply. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And for the longest time I thought like, like I bought it cause like I was so desperate to fix my hair, Aww. but I was trying a lot of different things at the time. Yeah. So I didn't actually use it because I was like, ah, it's kind of weird. Like, I don't know, with placenta, it kind of like just knowing placenta, it like freaked me out. You're <laughs> not sure if that's my thing. Exactly. But I bought it. It had it under my bathroom cabinet for like the longest freaking time, but I never actually used it because. Is it gone? You threw it away? Oh, yeah. Ages oh. ago. Um, That was like, God, like early 2000s. Um, But you now it's knowing. Animal placenta, most likely. But, but now knowing what I know. It could have been either animal placenta or plant-based placenta. So at least three companies, I don't think this says which ones, but it says uh, at least three companies currently sell hair or skin treatments which contain extracts of animal placenta. The most common type of placenta used is sheep. I don't know why, but that's what it says. Uh, the placenta, the placental extract allegedly serves as a source of protein and hormones, predominantly estrogen and progesterone, in the cosmetics in which it is used. The purpose of the placenta extract is not well documented and information is difficult to find. The FDA maintains that placenta extract may be hazardous and is used to subject to restrictions and requirements of warnings. In one study, four girls between one and eight years of age developed breasts or pubic hair uh, two to 24 months after starting to use hair products that contained estrogen or placenta extract. Whoa. Uh, Yeah. Their breasts and pubic hair regressed when they stopped using the products. No other cause for early sexual development was noted. That's interesting that they use mostly sheep. Yeah. Um, and like the connection between like ewes, like the female sheep and imbolc, like like ewes milk, like uh-huh. inside the womb. Yeah. I don't know. It's just cool. It's just neat. Also, also what I just popped into my head, what I thought you were just going to say is that the use of sheep is, is what they use, is sheep what they use in stem cell research? Like, didn't they clone a sheep? Oh yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that sounds right. So like cloning and stem cells, is that related somehow? Or am I making a wrong connection? Somebody tell us. Because if that's the case, then maybe that's why they use sheep. Interesting. Okay. I don't know. It is interesting. Um, But anyway, so placenta shampoo, this is from beautyanswered.com. Placenta shampoo is a type of shampoo which can contain either plant or animal products. Manufacturers claim that the protein added to the shampoo will make her hair shinier, but there is insubstantial evidence for this claim. Placenta shampoo, though it has undergone occasional revivals since the 80s, is popular primarily in Spanish-speaking countries. Some major retail stores may have marketed placenta shampoo towards the U.S. Hispanic market. Again, I just got it like off the counter, so. (laughs) That's wild. At a Sally's? Crazy. Yeah. Hey, Sally's. Sally's Beauty Supply. (laughs) 
my <laughs> god it's all coming together it's all connected <laughs> um many people may get squeamish reading the word placenta on a shampoo bottle and i must admit i'm one of those people <laughs> but i bought it i just never used it some people wonder if human placenta was used in the making of the shampoo it's actually sheep placenta that is used in some brands of shampoo. It is generally believed that the protein from placentas may help coat the hair and make it appear shinier, uh, which some think also occurs when a woman is pregnant. Labella is one major manufacturer of shampoos containing placenta. What do they put in like, like hair, skin, and nail? Like you know when, uh, what is it called? Prenatal vitamins. Like what is what is what do they put in prenatal vitamins that is make that's supposed to make your hair, skin, and nails like so amazing like i know people that take prenatal vitamins vitamins that aren't even pregnant just because of the hair skin and nails factor like, folic acid is there folic acid in the placenta um yes it all right into, uh yep fall into the fetal circulation there you go boom boom um, other types of placenta shampoo contain extracts from vegetables. A plant's placenta is located under the pistil and provides the nutrients from which the fruit develops. Other times, the language on product labels is unclear, and it seems that a plant's placenta is any kind of plant essence which will help the hair appear thicker and shinier. There is little proof that either animal or plant-based placenta shampoo actually help the hair any more than any other product which is meant to add shine to hair, such as oil. Beauty experts who have looked into the chemistry behind many cosmetics state that while placenta shampoo may help, there are many other products that can have the same effect. The use of the placenta in cosmetics dates back to the 1940s when it became a common additive in the then unregulated cosmetics industry. It was used as, as an additive claiming to cure everything from wrinkles to bad hair. Post-regulation has manufacturers limiting the claims to include only that the products can add protein to the hair. There has been some concern that placenta-based shampoos can cause cancer. You this theory- so Southern. Oh, I'm sorry. Placenta. Um, wait, what? When you said placenta, you oh, just placenta. had a draw. There has been some concern that the placenta-based shampoos can cause cancer. This theory, however, has since been disproved. Others are concerned about the overall cleanliness of putting the essence of an animal's placenta on the hair. The sheep's placenta in commercially manufactured shampoo, however, must undergo a rigorous sterilization process before it can be put into any product. I mean, I don't see anything anything weird about using sheep placenta on our hair i mean look they put isn't like gelatin like stuff like in gum and jello like that's at that's just animal fat it's the same shit right i also heard there was like like beaver butthole secretion <laughs> in something or other what? i don't know there's some crazy shit that they put in in stuff i'm trying so hard the whole time you were reading i'm trying so hard to stay on topic because i know we're cut for time today yeah. i just gotta keep my mouth shut but it's gonna be one of those down to brass tacks episodes but right. i really wanted to talk about have you seen grease too no okay then all right on to herbal beauty soap yeah. <laughs> take us into herbal beauty soap here's a placenta bar for you you can get it on amazon by somster somstry new mm. placenta herbal beauty soap okay it is it says now with double acting anti-aging ideal for aging skin and areas susceptible to wrinkles or loss of subtleness somstry new placenta helps renew damaged skin tissues and fades away any skin blemishes recommended for oh i should have done my review voice recommended for everyday use for healthier and younger looking skin this had mixed reviews okay so it went from like zero to 100 really quick so the first <laughs> one that was pretty good says 
bought it on Overstocks R Us and was skeptical at first because there are knockoff products on the market. I have come across a few. I opened it and saw the texture. Um, the texture is the same as the original that I've been using for practically my entire life. Not only could I tell by the texture, but I noticed my face had started to clear from acne again. Such a great soap. I do not know why there aren't why they aren't known all over the world. I admit though, in the beginning, when I first ever started using the soap, it did feel like it burned my skin, but honestly, the soap is the holy grail. So it goes Those were just that. the wrinkles bur- burning off. Exactly. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny that they mentioned the burning because the next, the, the like zero stars one title, its title was my face felt like fire for a week. Holy it's shit. Not, like burn my face. There are still, there's, there were still active lie in the soap and the color stained my skin. My face felt like fire for a week after a few day since the burning, <laughs> since the burn, my face started blistering like from a chemical peel. After my skin peeled, it took, it turned, ugh, after my, this is how she's writing, right? I'm just- This person has zero grammar or punctuation, so- After my skin peel, it turned dark and won't go away. This product ruined my face. Oh, okay, that was the end. (laughs) That was the end. Uh, But there's also a listing that I found for, uh, if you do decide to do- a lotus birth. We're going to hop back on that train. We kind of mentioned a few herbs before Caitlin mentioned like lavender and rosemary and the salts for helping to dry out and get rid of the odor. If you're going to put that placenta in a sack to take home with you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, th- there were a couple, this is just one. This is by nourishing mama over on Etsy. It's called organic lotus birth herbs, drying herbs, placenta care, etc. So uh, it says after carefully draining and cleaning the placenta, pat dry and sprinkle with a handful of herbs every eight to 12 hours, making sure to pat dry in between. Also adding salt will facilitate the drying process and the herbs will keep the placenta clean and wonderfully aromatic during the transition of the placenta birth. The placenta must be kept in an absorbent wrap cloth or a large thick double muslin inside a waterproof container, such as a small basket. Um, And their mix includes yarrow herb, witch hazel leaf, Leaves, lavender flowers, chamomile flowers, rosemary leaves, and rose petals. Awesome. Um, but there are others, and I'm sure you could even make your own. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Are, are you ready? Yeah. All right. All right. I'm ready for some Brasidi Orion. <laughs> this thing, I'm fucking surprised at the niche fucking topics it has listed in here. So. Oh, my goodness. Okay, Brasidia, what do you got to tell us about the placenta? In dreams. If you dream about a placenta, it says take steps to keep your scalp healthy and prevent hair loss. Dwight, you hear that, Dwight? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Keep your skin healthy, drink plenty of water, and eat healthy foods or healing foods. Visit a dermatologist at first sign of trouble. The product doesn't work. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. It's full circle. It is. All right, man. I think that's all we got for you guys today. Um, I hope hope we did this, this topic justice as again, Christina and I do not have kids. We don't plan on having kids, but we learned a lot about the placenta, about our own bodies and the amazing things that a woman's body can do. And we can educate um, others on the safe way. If you choose mm-hmm. to do this, if you know a friend who's like, I want to eat it, you can tell them, <laughs> get it processed. Like, yeah. Don't just slab that thing on the grill. Don't put chunks of that in your smoothie. Ugh, Don't be Hillary Duff. is growling. Don't make an ice cube and pop that in your iced tea. Like, you know, Ooh. take some precaution here. See some professionals that know what they're doing. That um, was uh, eye-opening. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't feel any differently about <laughs> Good, thinking that's that, okay. it, that it's like- 
it's horrifying. But, you know, we've learned today that people from different cultures deem it a very sacred thing. There are very sacred practices involved with it. Um, and there are beautiful approaches. The way that they make it so sacred and beautiful, that does make me see it in like a, a more accepting and loving, in a more loving way. Right. But I still think it's horrifying. Yeah. It's cool to <laughs> to learn about not just the fad. Oh, right. like I heard and it's cool and it's like yeah. the new age thing. No, like again, it all that's just rich white people appropriating cultures and traditions, traditions and from all over the world. This episode back to back with the love spells episode are like yeah. two of our like kind of more disgusting topics. Like I think we're gonna ever talk about. They're gross. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess there was some nasty love spell stuff in there. Like the sweat bonding shit. Oh my god, and eating like the the putting the urine in the this the bugs, yeah. And the bugs. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty gross. But anyway. Blech. Yeah. All right. We got some socials. Yeah, you can find us over on Instagram. We're at Magnolia Street Podcast over there. If you want to tag us, leave us a comment. We would be happy to read them and or share them if that's cool. Leave us a review. It really helps. We're trying to do a song episode for you in March and we need some reviews to do so uh, over on Apple Podcasts. You guys can't find us on Facebook unless you're part of our secret cool club. <laughs> and you can join our secret cool club through our secret cool Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash Magnolia Street Podcast. Join the $5 tier. You get in on our Facebook, private Facebook community. We'll do one live a month where you could chat with us up close and personal. You can join our Discord. We have a book club on and pop in. Our first meetings coming up this weekend i haven't done shit for it i'm so <laughs> behind um christina's really good with it i'm a shithead no you're but, fine <laughs> um but yes if you want to join our patreon as low as one dollar a month you can get in our patron only polls where you can help us decide the topics that we're going to be talking about coming up uh for three dollars you get our show notes and our after hours posts where any little extra tidbits we have about the episode We'll post those on up after our episode airs. Our our $8 tier gets you our our song episode, episode, all the music incorporated with that. And also any other extra audiovisual content like um, meditations. Um, what else we have up there? Oh, we have to do a bonus episode. We haven't done one in a while. Well, I just we got my natal chart done. That's so right. I think we're going to do, that might be the next one. I got my all right. chart read by Teresa over at Two Geminis and a Leo. She's just freaking, she is the Leo of the group. Uh, and we spent about an hour together and she told me all about myself, which oh. is all about me because I'm a gem. <laughs> we'll have to do a bonus episode on that. Okay. Um, drop us a line below. We have a little uh voicemail line. You can hit us up if you want to tell us a story. Uh, what else do we have? We got an email. Send us an email. We want to do a fan fiction episode. So if you have a practical magic fan fiction or if you want to write one just for us, go ahead and send it over to Magnolia Street Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, man. We got a TikTok. We got Goodreads. Goodreads, man. All right. All right. Are we ready to close out the placenta and the hacienda? <laughs> We're ready. All right. I'm Christina. I'm Justina, and we'll, we'll see, see you next time. time. At that house down the street. At that house on Magnolia Street. Would you go down to Magnolia Street with